0: The wake up call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. Fourth and goal. Here we go. 58,000 here in Frankfurt on their feet. Binchew under center. Thanks a snap. Quick pitch right side to
1: Jonathan Taylor. Looking to break it out. Slashes into the end zone.
0: Touchdown. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. I in Germany. JT finds the end zone and the Colts. They're on top for the first time today. Fourth and one converts for the Patriots. The clock is moving on them, though. They're out of timeouts. And Zappy fakes a blocking of the ball. He fires it up field, picked off by the Colts! by Rodney Thomas. Yes sir, the Colts will take that. 31 seconds to go and the Colts in Germany are gonna be victorious.
2: It's a bunch of laptop opportunity. Um, Sorry, I'm just blessed to be here today. um, Playing in front of a home crowd, in front of family, and um, it just meant the world to me.
3: I love that. That's what the Germans think. When they think of Americana, uh, just put country roads on. All those USA people, they'll all sing along. Welcome in. Uh, get on the YouTube right now. I, I know you may be listening on there. Get on the YouTube right now. we got to find out exactly what KB's doing with this hair. We'll get to that. It's the wake-up call. We have three hours. Colts winners. Uh, Pacers ran into Tyrese Maxey last night who dropped 50. Indiana in action. Purdue in action over the weekend. A busy, busy show. Mark Dykton producing today's effort. I'm Andy Sweeney. Fellas, a happy Monday morning, a victorious Colts operation five and five is finished. It wasn't pretty, but nonetheless, the Indianapolis Colts five and five as we sit here on this Monday.
4: I would like to think the hair is Mac Jones currently, and maybe by you know in a few weeks, few months it'll be Dio Dangbo. If we want to reference. Okay. Some Colts, Patriots, individuals from yesterday. Boy, Mac Jones is bad. Mark Ooh. Dykton, you didn't have to spend a whole lot of time Ooh. on that intro. Um, no. Country Roads probably could have just played for the entire two or three minutes of it. Um, yeah, people
5: are asking, they said, are you even going to make a montage? I'm like, well, it's not really a montage as much as like a highlight. Like a
3: Matt Gay miss field goal. Uh, whoever their rookie yeah. kicker is and is a Ryland. Bailey Zappi
4: into mean, truly, the game.
5: Outside of the JT touchdown and, and that interception at the end. What else was there? It's kind of a sleepwalk game where you're like, kind can I of? really wake up early to watch this.
4: Let me go here because I do think there are a couple of individual plays. I want to make, and by the way, good Monday morning to everybody out there. I am Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Mark Dykton with us. Obviously a ton to get to as Andy just laid out there in the open. 10, six winners in Frankfurt, <laughs> Germany, the Colts, uh, An Isaiah McKenzie kick return, Yeah, a Josh Downs gutting it out, 14 snaps he's limited to, a huge leaping. That kid is, he's not a kid. I mean, he is an established pro at the midway point of his rookie season. And honestly, you played the Jonathan Taylor touchdown. Andy, how big was that? I mean, that is a fourth and goal. You know, Shane Steichen, I thought should have challenged the Michael Pittman screen. He does not. So now all of a sudden you're sitting there on the goal line. You decide to go for it. And in a game where points became extremely precious, that four-point play, opting for the touchdown and getting the touchdown and not kicking the field goal there early, uh, the effort by Taylor in space, the effort by Kylan Granson, I, I almost felt like, and obviously hindsight's twenty-twenty, but that just made things like insurmountable. Like, from then on, New England thinking to themselves, how the hell are we going to get two field goals to get back in this game? And they <laughs> missed them 35 yards, and Mac Jones well, we got throws. 10
3: points immediately. You thought, oh, we might get some points in Germany. Right. How about but this?
4: So much for that. Um, just one of the uglier games you'll ever witness. But at the same time, as... So many um, golf coaches of mine told me back in the day, Kevin, there are no pictures on the scorecards. You add up the score and you post a number and that's it. And when you look at the standings, it says five and five. We'll talk about what the 120 minutes of football the Colts have played the last two weeks means for them coming out of the bye. But at the end of the day, Andy, you are in the hunt as they throw up there on the graphic. And that's really all that matters in the short term. We can obviously kind of extrapolate what, the result means, though, for these final seven games. Two,
3: three, nine, ten, seventy. Uh, we're wide open today. Obviously, we'll get to a bunch of sound. You heard some of the Bernard Reitman sound. Uh, he and by the way, he's not the. He's not. There's like three or four. Personal stories. Daryl Baker Jr. watching the birth of his son on the plane going over to Germany. I mean, the Colts had like shout out to the Wi-Fi. Uh, I mean, my God, they had like three or four like personal human interaction type stories that we can get to. Uh, obviously, the Pacers in action last night. They'll be staying in Philly back at it on Tuesday. A little college basketball we can mix in. Indiana didn't exactly you know drape themselves in in good basketball
4: last the Bob night. The tribute, Yuck. playing Army. Yuck. We can. I'm not.
3: Uh, I'm not sure how good they are. We can dive into that as well. But, you know, I put this on Twitter and I I very much feel this way. You're right that eventually, you know, most people, not us, it will remember, but 99% of the people will see that the Colts beat the Patriots and they will move on. In a year or two, it won't matter. I always talked about this in college football. When a coach won like eight games and they elevated their program, it's like, no one's going to remember that four or five of those wins were against bums or against Southeast Missouri State. No one's going to remember that. And so there's a little bit of that here. What does it mean the last two games I do want to dive into with you, but this was totally a eat your vegetables type of game <laughs> and I put that on Twitter you like uh, Kevin you're going to eat those Brussels sprouts someone's like are you guys gonna talk about the game on Monday I'm like oh no you're eating the green beans do you understand that you're eating the raw carrots this morning of course we're going to talk about it but that's the kind of game it was uh, and I just I was in love that that was the game that was in Germany on Sunday, because <laughs> you know my thoughts on it somewhat. I'm glad you're not a big international. I, I'm guy, just I'm glad that it was a ten to six game. That the beginning of the game, the field goal, the long drive. The first quarter was done in like fifteen minutes. The long drive by the Patriots, a long drive by the Colts, and, and there's a lot to talk about here. You wrote about this on the website. Minshew is just scattered. You're surviving him, right just—I mean—you're surviving Minshew, which sounds like some sort of a show that's on E, some sort of a dating show or something like that. Uh, Shaq Leonard had some tackles, not solo tackles, mm, yeah. bad in the first series. We can dive into that, but it was operation Kevin. It was operation five and five. They got there. Um, Tampa looked, better, you know, better, you know, uh, yesterday. Um, get healthy. Get a guy like Downs healthy. Can they get Brent's healthy? Can they get Ryan Kelly healthy? Another, yet another yeah. concussion. Two more games of Grover Stewart. Yeah, yeah to yet another concussion on that offensive line. Interested to see if they can take this momentum and do anything with it. They had to win these two games. They did. But it was, it was, come on,
4: guys. It was, fu- yesterday was funny. It was a little oh, funny. It was right? utterly hilarious. I, yeah. I, I tweeted uh, right <laughs> at the Bailey Zappy fake spike interception. Which is unbelievable. Utterly hilarious. I could not believe. That they really benched Mac Jones, and, and that has nothing to do with Mac Jones looking so horrific. I just couldn't believe that the guy that hasn't thrown a pass in a month, a second-year pro, it's not like Bailey Zappi is like, "Hey, man, he's this closer." You know, there was this one year where he where he had seven game-winning drives. Like, wait, he's coming in the game? All the Colts <laughs> players assumed that Mac Jones was hurt when Bailey Zappi came well, into Bill the o- game. Bill Bill O'Brien late. screamed right, right in Mac Jones's face and, like four times. And you know, Colts fans in this market, Andy. They will want to celebrate the Belichick image sure. after the interception. A- and by all means. I mean, Belichick has absolutely been you know, the biggest thorn with Brady in the Colts' side for two decades. So by all means, go ahead and do that. And I think we sit here on this Monday, and you can have two paths you want to go down if you're a Colts fan. The one path would say, we're 5-5. Five and five. Like you said, Operation, get to 500. Can't play any worse. And we're going to play... Gardner Mitchell can't look any worse. We're going to play better after the bye week, and we've got a full week to rest up. You just listed some of the injured guys that they could get back. Again, Grover Stewart's got two more games, and he's back. The schedule's still really manageable. You've got a shot. Or you could look at it glass half empty and say, yeah, you're 5-5. Five and five. You play like you have the last two weeks, right? and you'll go 2-5 and five yeah. in your final seven You're games. not winning too many
3: games. Tampa, Cincinnati, the Steelers, Texans again. How about my man C.J. Stroud? Again, I was totally wrong. I mean they go they walk in there and beat Cincinnati, you gotta be kidding me.
4: I don't like to agree with Adam Schefter a lot. It was at about four o'clock yesterday that he tweeted out is CJ Stroud on an MVP list. Well, wow. I, I mean kids turning into a star. And, and I'm thinking <laughs> Noah myself, Brown's got ten catches a game now. Me. He might be right with that. So um, a ton to get to from yesterday. Jonathan Taylor is easily the lead back. The carries for Taylor, twenty three touches, one for Zach Moss in terms of touches. And on Minshew for a second here. Because I know that's going to be a dominant topic throughout today. Andy, he looks jittery. He looks squirrely. He looks gun-shy to me. Um, I feel like Rosie Bowen has just played with her cousins, and she runs inside and says, Daddy, I got to go pee. And she's <laughs> dancing all around me. I'm like, just go pee. That's Minshew right now in the pocket. He is so like like frazzled and, and just wants to bail out of that pocket so quickly. And I go to the gun-shy. Is this from the turnovers a few weeks ago? Because the strip sacks and the interceptions, that had not been, that combination had not been a part of his resume. It started to be that. And then the chatter became, dude, if you just eliminate that and get out of your own way, this team can have some success. And now I feel like he is trying to do that at all costs. He is making sure that the moment that pocket starts to have any little mud around him, he bails. So he starts to dance, and we're doing twirls, and we're running all over the field. Yeah. I mean, how many clean pockets did he run away from yesterday? And so I guess I'm trying to make sense of it. Why is he doing that? Why It's one read, and bail is what I see so often with him. Yesterday, you had your starting offensive line intact for the first time since week two. Obviously, Ryan Kelly did get hurt. He didn't allow a sack since week two, but boy, if you were have watched Minshew just bail out of the pocket, you would have thought, you know, he would have been sacked five or six times with how much he was running for his life out there. So as you head into the bye week, certainly there is no bigger question, I think, on this football team than your passing offense and really your, your starting quarterback. Well,
3: you know, and we'll we'll dive into this, but what I found interesting, because I agree with you on him. Um, And and listen, we know that when you're playing a backup quarterback for a long period of time that there is the initial jolt. And I think Minshew gave this team the initial jolt, did he not? I mean, he came in for some of those games with Anthony Richardson going down and he played well. You know, my thing with him is it almost felt like... You know, when he kind of just took over, right? When he took over in that Titans game, and then you go to the Jags game, the Browns score, you know, they score 38 against the Browns. They score 27 against the Saints. There's a lot of points in those games. He's thrown the ball a lot. It felt like that was the offense, right? That Steichen was going to live with, hey, I'm going to throw the ball with Gardner Minshew. And I don't know, and this is where it gets in to the the opponents that they played the last two weeks, I don't know if it's just because they could play not great football and win against Carolina and win against New England or if Shane Sykin is saying, hey, we're going to throw less – And I guess we're going to run more, and we're going to play muck it up football. In other words, we're going to bring teams into the mud with us to where our defense can play well, we could run the ball enough, and Minshew's throwing for 200 yards instead of throwing for 56 times in a game. Like, I'm trying to find the objective here because a couple games ago, the objective was we're going to throw Gardner Minshew. We're going to throw the ball, right? And we had these conversations where it's like maybe he's a little bit too pass happy, right? Like, you know, you can't, what was it, the Saints game? We're like, you know, you can run the ball, right? Like, you know, you're able to run the ball. Go run the ball against the Saints. And then the last couple weeks, again, I don't know if it's because the defense can do enough to win those games, or if Steichen is figuring out we need to have less of Minshew. I, I just like I don't know. I, I, I don't I, I don't know well, the answer to that, but it's not the same as it was three and four weeks ago.
4: And I just think his presence in general and lack thereof is hurting the run game. You know, when you look at yesterday, Andy, the one touchdown drive you had, Jonathan Taylor had eight straight carries at one point on that drive. And then from then on, Taylor was totally stymied and you couldn't really move it. I mean, what was the one field goal? It was from 50, yeah, 51. It's not like you got, you know, down to the 10-yard line. I think after that opening touchdown, I remember I looked this up yesterday afternoon. You you score in the opening drive of the game. I think the 28-yard line of New England was the furthest you got the rest of the day. It, again, it's stunning that we sit here and we're talking about a Colts win. Obviously, the ineptness of New England would be close to the top of that list for the why. Granted, again, I do want to you know acknowledge a big kick return from Isaiah McKenzie, Matt Gay out kicking Chad Ryland, uh, you know Josh Downs having a big third down conversion there that you know ate up some more clock, and then. I, <laughs> On the Mac Jones pick, I thought he was throwing the game.
3: (laughs) I thought he had money the other way. I I thought Thought I had DraftKings
4: bet the other way. You know, uh, Rich Eisen said at the start of the game how Matt Jones set his clock to Frankfurt time. Oh yeah, I heard all that. Germans get to him on Saturday night and make sure that he. And then, honestly, for a brief (laughs) second there, I thought, did Leonard tip it? And then I probably remembered who we were talking about there and realized that... Yeah, that, well, that, we got to dive into him. That didn't happen. I mean, that, Julian that, Blackman. That guy ran
3: his mouth for two straight weeks and had a horrific uh, first quarter there. You know, last thing I'll say, and I know nationally... I know nationally, the story is like if you were watching the game and you stuck with the NFL Network or even went to ESPN or one of the pregame shows, the conversation was not around the Colts getting to 500 going into the bye week. The conversation around uh, was you know Robert Kraft met with the team the night before and Bill Belichick's fighting for his life and he's never been two and eight and all all this different conversation. And then they, they, I just KB they did not put someone back to fair catch a punt. <laughs>
4: 69-yard punt and, and by I was, Riga Sanchez. Yeah, and I'm sitting
3: there saying, the ball's rolling 25 yards. It's the dumbest play in the history of the NFL. How do you not do that? What, are you going to block a punt? How many, many blocked punts do we get in an NFL season?
4: Nothing says a lack of confidence in your offense saying we are selling out. What, what quarter was that? Was, the, was it the first or the second oh, quarter? Oh, I mean, it
3: was first half. Yeah, it was. I need to go back, but it was first half. Like late
4: first quarter, early second, when you're saying we're selling out on a punt because we know our offense can't move it. For the entire game. Granted, they did kind of bully the Colts at times with their ability to run it up the middle there. But uh, the Colts now five and five on the year. They are in tenth in the AFC. And honestly, and we're starting to get here, Andy. Like I'm now starting to watch other games and thinking, okay, how is this helping or hurting? Well, last the, night the Colts, Jets, Raiders was a perfect example. Last night, a big game for the Colts yesterday at four o'clock. The yep. Lions beating the Chargers. Like those, you know, the NFC teams beating the AFC teams is what you want to see. And again, I know that that might not seem like necessarily the topic to go down here on a Monday, but that's the reality of where you're at here. I'm take my at watch off. My watch is doing and this five. every day. What was Siri saying? I don't know. Siri's just
3: recording everything you're saying, which can be good and bad. She loves my I, hair. Our electronics are just con- consistently recording us. They know. They know everything that you've said this weekend. I think yeah, you pissed her this, off? That's this, like it's
4: the this fifth this, time in like I'm the last couple weeks. It happened Friday. It happened I thought it was one of our salespeople out in the hallway. On that, uh, uh, plenty to get to. Basketball wise from last night, as Andy said, Tyrese Maxey, dear Ooh. lord, uh, puts up 50 on the Pacers as they lose in Phil- Philadelphia. Uh, that's probably a good thing. It overshadowed the performance in Bloomington for Mike Woodson's bunch against Army tonight. Purdue and Xavier coming up at eight thirty. We saw last year this game Purdue Marquette is uh, um, a, a Purdue opponent against a Big East opponent it ended up being kind of one of the more uh, you know bigger games of the season when you look back on it. Purdue is heavily favored though over Sean Miller's Musketeers. So we'll chat a little bit about that as well. Thank you for tuning in to The Wake Up Call with KB and Andy here on a nice looking Monday morning. You're listening right here on 935 1075.
0: The Morning Checkdown.
5: Omaha Omaha, Omaha. 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 On
0: 935 and 1075, The Fan.
3: Yeah, morning check down coming up. Reminder at about 8.30, about an hour or so, we'll do our GOATs of the weekend, the good and bad. But let's start with the good Colts winners, 10-6. They get to 500 going into the bye week. Uh, Not a pretty one in Germany, but they do get the win. Here's Shane Steich in postgame.
6: I mean, it's huge to get to 500 before the bye, you know, get these guys a week off, get them some rest, uh, and then come back, you know, and hit the ground running. We got Tampa Bay, you know, coming back in our place uh, in a couple weeks. So we're looking forward to it.
3: Tons of guys making plays. Uh, Minshew did have a couple plays, still scattered in the pocket. Jonathan Taylor, the touchdown there, the patient touchdown. Grandson, I thought threw a massive That's a great block effort there. there by Granson. Uh, it really was. That was fantastic. Pittman had a nice game. Zach Moss just one carry. How much was that? Dove into in the post game. I mean, he wasn't out there very. Out. What was his snap count? Yeah. Do you have that? Yeah, because I know was he a
4: was a decoy early on. Fifty for Taylor, nine wow. for Moss. They did do some two back stuff, yeah. but. Yeah, just one touch for Zach Moss, 24 for Jonathan Taylor. So again, the bye week for the Colts. Grover Stewart, by the way, still out for two more games. You bring that up because you watch what New England did to you running the football up the middle yesterday. All right, elsewhere around week 10, boy, quite the wild day. You had five games end on a last-second field goal. I'll run down a few that stood out to me, guys. Feel free to chime in. The Lions are now 7-2. and How about Josh Dobbs and the Vikings? They have now won five straight games, and this is all without Justin Jefferson, who seems to be nearing a return pretty soon. C.J. Stroud, incredible. Uh, Quite the statement by the 49ers, returning from their bye week to dismantle Jacksonville. In Jacksonville and the Steelers, they have been outgained in every single game this season. It's unbelievable. And in true Steelers fashion, they're six and three. Like,
3: Pickett's terrible. like his stat line is like twelve of twenty-seven for a buck thirty-five. Like every single game. That's what he is. <laughs> it's like I mean, they just wait for <laughs> the TJ Watt play. Yeah, they just wait for a TJ Watt play. They get a pick. They I mean they they're running the ball better. I'll give them that. Yeah, and Warren and Ajay nice Harris game. are yeah. both running the ball a little bit better. And then this one affects Mark and I. I Told you it would happen. Kyler Murray's back. The Arizona Cardinals immediately get a win. Yeah, Kyler looked good. And he he like, actually looked, he looked pretty good. Yeah, looked healthy. Well, he had a third. any he, limitations. He had a third and ten scramble that was massive at the end of the game. But, I mean, competent quarterback play got him the win. Atlantis had three just disastrous type losses. They're probably better than four and six, but they're done
4: now. Credit to the Colts for me even saying this, but as you look ahead to Monday Night Football tonight, you want the Broncos over the Bills? Yes, you do. I mean, you, you're, if you're starting 100%. to look at some wild card scenarios here, uh, assuming Miami wins the AFC East, Buffalo would fall into the wild card uh, mix here, and that is something to keep an eye on as we conclude Monday night fo- or as we conclude Week Ten here it, it, with Broncos and Bills. It'll never happen, but
5: can the New York teams just be permanently banned for like get the Colts treatment of primetime games, <laughs> nationally televised games? Well, they had all the this. The Giants air- are terrible. They were somehow America's game of the week. Your and then team. Terrible! Your team was just on
3: Thursday night
5: football.
3: The Jets. You're just on Thursday night football. Well, that you can't get out of that. It's the toilet bowl, man. (laughs) The
5: Giants Giants were terrible. The Giants are god awful. Yes, need,
4: of course they're god awful. They have Tommy DeVito. We need these teams back from their bye weeks. We we are <laughs> pleading for the Chiefs, the Dolphins, the Eagles to return from their Boy. bye weeks. Luckily, Actually, I did good in fantasy. They will with, with nothing, all the
3: bums, all the teams that are way better than me. They had all their players sit, so all my players looked a hell of a lot better yesterday. Nothing says turd in the stocking
5: <laughs> like a Giants game, standalone Giants game on Christmas Day. You're picking on
4: my New York Giants. Speaking, as could, you're picking on them. Of turds in the stockings, I guess that would call the Pacers defense. <laughs> effort last night in Philly. They lose one thirty seven, one twenty six. Joel Embiid once again was the daddy to the Indiana Pacers and Miles Turner. But the big story was Tyrese Maxey, fifty for Maxey. Like he is good. I think we knew that, but this is kind of why they said, "All right, James Harden, we'll put up with you for a little bit, but we're not going to go to the nth degree to put up with all of your antics there." Um, if you're going to play the Sixers, you've got to win the minutes when Embiid's off the floor. And Maxie said, you're not doing that tonight. Uh, and the Pacers, which had moments, I mean, I think they even had a lead in the fourth quarter, uh, but they could not you know, close at all on that one. Uh, these teams will rematch here coming up on Tuesday night. Again, 137-126. 76 you, know what's, you know what's
3: funny about this? So I'm watching Maxi in the step backs, and I'm like, he's basically doing some of the Harden stuff, but he's not James Harden. Exactly. Does he's that so make much sense? more tolerable. Yeah, like he took the good stuff of Harden, like the really difficult shots, and he is now making those on a more regular basis, but he's also not dribbling the ball for 23 seconds at the top of
4: the key. And I thought it was kind of a cool moment there at the end of the game when Joel Embiid kind of like handed him the ball, clapped for him, like gave him a hug afterwards of like, dude, you you did this. This was your, you know, he is a very good player, but that was certainly his coming out party. So the only game this week for the Pacers, as you look ahead, will be Tuesday night. Uh again, that will be uh, one of these two games and three nights with Philadelphia, and that is the second of the in season tournament games. For the Pacers, they will be off after Tuesday night until Sunday with the Magic.
3: Looking at college basketball, Indiana winners last night, 72-64. We'll dive into that more as we go. Khalil Ware scored 20 points, 16 of those Don't in the second half. Don't let that final score
4: fool you, by the way.
3: No, I mean, this was a game right to the very end. three minutes to go. Uh, again, you're not getting anything from McKenzie and Baco. That has to be worrisome. You're not getting anything from guys like C.J. Gunn. I mean, right now, I kind of feel like Indiana is a six-man team maybe. I mean, having to bring Gabe Cubs, go small, back-to-back games, that's probably going to work on the next game as well, but major you're you're staring at UConn here next weekend, and that probably won't go so well.
4: Yeah, Army is horrific, and they really controlled large, large chunks of that game last night. As Andy said, McKenzie and Baco did not play the final 15 minutes of the game. That is just a flat-out benching of why he did not play. Mike Woodson made it clear afterwards, the five-star freshman has got to play harder. Uh, So Indiana, Survives last night. Uh, very ugly start to the season for the Hoosiers. As we mentioned earlier, Purdue and Butler both in action tonight. It'll be Purdue and Xavier. That's an eight thirty tip from Mackey. They are a fifteen and a half point Ooh. favorite. I know Xavier's a little banged up in the front court, but I was still surprised to see that big of a number. Very similar number for Butler as they've got East Tennessee State. Tonight. Uh, You got anything college football-wise you want to run down? I mean, college
3: football-wise, Indiana was valiant in losing uh, to Illinois. (laughs) I mean, they were. They were valiant. Wait, wait,
4: wait. I thought the Ball State transfer threw for uh, (laughs) 700 yards
3: against them. uh, Are we going valiant for that? I mean, I don't expect them ever to win a game. So, given that they were down and they came back and they looked competent on offense at times, I did listen to that. Uh, I was in the car. I did listen to, to Fish at the end. And he's in the end zone, touchdown, Indiana loses. Like, like, he was very very sad the way that game ended. And, hey, Purdue won. There you go. John
4: Paddock throws Paddock. For 507 oh. yards against Indiana. That is the second most in school history. Backup quarterback. Again, he is a backup quarterback and a Ball State transfer. Uh, nice win for Purdue at home. Those have not been too plenty this season. They beat uh, the Rowing the Boats of P.J. Fleck in West Lafayette, and what a Monon Bell game it was. I could not believe. I actually watched the end of that game. Greg Raystraw, outstanding on the call per usual. In 129 meetings, we had not gotten an overtime game until Saturday. It was DePaul. The Tigers, what do they say? DePaul never quits. Wabash always fights. Uh, Nathan McKay held a Will Caster for the game winner there in double OT. DePaul, 10-0. They clinched their spot in the dance, and probably most importantly to them and their alumni, they have now beaten Wabash three out of the last
3: yeah, whenever you get like the organic uh, store, it wasn't a storming of the field, but the players losing their mind. Any any walk-off win, especially a touchdown walk-off win, is awesome. Well, I always like it. It is.
4: And that rivalry, Crawfordsville or Greencastle, like the storming of the field by whoever wins the game is just allowed. Right. You know, that was a road game. And, yet, yeah. and I absolutely loved it. So, a great scene in Crawfordsville for that one as DePaul now undefeated and heading to the D3 playoffs. All right, plenty of Colts chatter to get to from yesterday. How do you look at that one? We'll get your thoughts on that as well. 317-239-1070. Again, good at Monday morning here in Indianapolis. Thanks for spending it with us. It is the Wake Up Call. KB and Andy right here on 93.51075, The Fan.
0: It's the wake up call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan.
3: 239 1070. Hanging out with you. DriveHuber.com Studios. KB and Andy. Mark Dighton producing today's effort. We're wide open until 10 o'clock. Obviously, reacting to the Colts winners
4: 10 6. <laughs> uh, in Germany? Did you like the sing alongs before? I loved we... it. Okay, I have a I couple loved the questions. Scene. Oh, sure. I-, I thought the atmosphere was great. I thought NFL Network did a nice job of like capturing that for us at home. Um, One of my brother-in-law's good friends is actually at the game. He's still in Frankfurt. I said, if you get a minute today, give us a call because I want to hear more. Caller Derek called in on Friday. Derek's listening right now. I saw him in the YouTube chat saying he's 37,000 feet in the air uh, tuning in. Um, But I thought it was a great atmosphere. It sounded loud. You know, It certainly seemed like a little bit heavier of a Patriots contingent, understandably, um, than it was a Colts contingent over there. Obviously, you just got random fans in general. But yeah, I loved it. I thought you know it was a great atmosphere. And Stacey Dale said it to us when we had her on last week. You know, the 50,000 seat stadium, a little bit closer to the action. It is a lot louder than a typical NFL game. And I thought that came across on the TV. So they went to Sweet Carolina
3: real early, though. That's my thing. I mean, you're going to that in like the first quarter? Was it first or second
4: well, I, quarter? I mean, that's I, going I think to a... they knew what was going to happen for the rest of the 60 minutes, so <laughs> I mean, they said, we got to play the hits I'm early. Just,
3: I'm just saying, like, that's like a closing song, is it not? Well, that's that's West, a closing think, time.
4: Think, well, John Denver, what. West Virginia seems to be a little yeah, bit more of the I, closing song overseas. What would be
3: – we're going to play the Ryman sound here in just a second, but while he's playing, they had Oasis Wonderwall playing in the background. I was trying to think, what's the third Americana song there well, that they could Well, we get could some Mellencamp in well, there, Well, that's what I was wanting. Besides Is that too Carol, selfish of us? Between, uh, but, you know, b- besides Sweet Carolina and Country Roads, what would be the other one or two Americana songs that you could play during a timeout in an NFL game in
4: in, uh, in Germany, you know? <laughs> Some sort of petty, I would assume. Um, Won't well, back down. Yeah, probably. Perhaps that. That would be a good one. See, that's um, where we'll I'm get at. Get some Wilson
5: Phillips. Hold on, maybe.
3: Give <laughs> whatever you want.
5: You know, Ursay was pounding on the door. Play some Who. And then on top of it, I did see it, Ursa had a little shindig on Saturday night. Oh, over I'm there.
3: sure. I'm sure. I'm sure they all did. And then so on Friday, I was basically like, if you're a Colts fan, KB. It's kind of f the Patriots, is it not? I mean, like you want to see them lose? Oh, you, there's no kind yeah, of about you, it. Yeah, yeah, you want yeah. to beat them, even if it's the toilet bowl that it was kind of yesterday. Even even if it's ten to six, even if it's ugly, even if it's Mac Jones giving off in the final two minutes to Bailey Zappi, it doesn't matter. You want to beat them, and I thought if you're a Colts fan yesterday, you got the win. whatever whatever, okay, just move that aside. But you got sad Robert Kraft. Uh, frustrated Robert Kraft, okay? As Mac Jones throws a pick when he has was it, what was it, Gusecki or Henry, one of them, in the end yeah. zone where it could have been a touchdown. It should have been a much closer play than an easy pick for the Colts. Uh, and then you got Bill Belichick exasperated. you got Bill O'Brien screaming at Mac Jones. You have their first-round quarterback benched for Bailey Zappi, a second-year guy. How did they make the
4: playoffs guy. with Mac Jones, I, I by just, the way, two just, years ago. But if
3: you're a Colts fan, not only did you get the win, now you wish it would have been twenty-seven to six, and you really would have showed out. Given that you know a lot of people are watching, it's nine thirty in the morning, eight thirty in the morning, whatever it may be. But if nothing else, you got Mad Bill O'Brien benched first-round quarterback, sad, sad Robert Kraft and Jonathan next to him, uh, and an exasperated, frustrated Bill Belichick. If you're a Colts fan today, you wake up; those are three or four images that are just fantastic. Fantastic, given what the Patriots mean to you. Oh,
4: it's great. Speaking of images, Jules goes here in the YouTube chat. Kraft didn't get a happy ending yesterday <laughs> on that Oh, I one. bet Kraft yeah, had a great a time. That was a couple of the post-game headlines I saw. Oh, too. was it? Well, you, <laughs> <laughs> what happens internationally stays international. Stays you might over have to there. go to a different country over in Europe for that to be you know, very, very accepted. Uh, I mean, I, I said it earlier, Andy. Freeze frame Belichick's hands to the head yeah. after the Bailey Zappi fake spike pick. I mean, that thats that's... Exasperate is the perfect word that you use. I mean, that is epic. That's what Colts fans have wanted Bill Belichick to do for two decades, <laughs> and finally, they get it. it yeah, it was in yeah. Frankfurt, Germany. Yeah. yeah, it was at you know eleven thirty in the morning. It was Mac Jones and Ramondi Stevenson. Whenever that guys. was, but your team helped create. I guess help create that. Um, I thought a hell of a performance yesterday early on from Dayo Adang, but I wanted to make sure that we mentioned him, Andy, individually. We'll see if he wins AFC Defensive Player of the Week. That is three sacks in the game alone for Dio. And I thought in general, your interior pass rush really did a nice job getting to Mac Jones. Certainly Mac Jones um, had no recognition whatsoever, but still I thought you created some pressure moments. And I don't think this is hyperbole. In these seven now seven drafts Chris Ballard has had, I'm not sure if there is a player Ballard has drafted that he has been more excited, intrigued, however you wanted to call call it than Dio Dangbo. Um he really? okay. would have drafted him, I think, in the first round of the twenty twenty one draft. Had more of his colleagues and people that he, you know, is close to within that building agreed with him on that. You know, Quidipe was the first round pick that year. Dio was the second round pick. Dio was coming off that torn Achilles Uh, that he suffered, I think, training for the Combine, if I remember correctly, uh, back early in that draft process. But honestly, Andy, the thought with the draft pick of Dio Dangbo was very reminiscent to think back to your giant Super Bowl teams. And whether it's Justin Tuck, uh, Michael Strahan, um, I can never... O.C. Uminiora. I I, I was just going to call him O.C.
3: Just go get a bunch of guys that can rush the passer. And and again, we're talking tall, versatile
4: options. And it's taken Dio, obviously, a little bit of time, but Even the last couple of weeks, I'd say about the last month, you've seen more and more from him. And obviously yesterday was clearly the best game of his career. And honestly, if you were looking at it three years into their respective careers, and you told me right now... Who would you give a contract extension to? I'd say Dio Dengbo over Quiddy Pay. Oh, it's and, not and, even close. And I wouldn't think twice about it. No,
3: it's not even close. I think every single Colts fan, I think every, I think everyone in the building over there would absolutely agree. Uh, so, okay, I want to play the rhyming sound, but before we do that, I mean, Dio had, what, 17, 18 family members? I think he said he gives the number here, but he had a bunch of family there as well. He had three sacks here his post postgame.
2: I mean, it feels great. Uh, I mean, number one, it feels great to get the win, you know, as a team, come overseas and be able to go home with the win. And then secondly, you know, it, it's it's really important for me to be able to go out there and put on for my family. You know, this is the most family I've had at a game probably in my whole life. You know, I've, I think I had like 13 family members here. So I'm just happy to be, up, be able to go out there and, you know, be able to give them a show. And a lot of them are watching their first football game at any level. So it's really exciting.
4: And, you know, when you think about uh, at times yesterday, Tyquan Lewis in and out, Pay was in and out, a little bit banged up. Obviously, you don't have Grover Stewart here for a six game stretch, and that was game four. You need versatile defensive linemen. Now, I do want to make sure that while. I can acknowledge Dio Dengbo for having a great individual game and winning several one-on-one matchups. It's another hat tip to DeForest Buckner for creating so many of those one-on-ones. It is amazing the production that Buckner continues to play with because he is getting double teamed a ton. You saw several plays yesterday where other defensive linemen made plays off of Buckner getting that double team. But I thought your group kind of set the tone early on of hey New England if you're going to try any sort of offensive balance you're not going to get it. They obviously ran it pretty successfully against the Colts, uh, but their passing game was non-existent, largely in part thanks to uh, your interior pass rush and uh, hitting Mac Jones nine times.
3: We did the, the exercise last week of MVPs and maybe Buckner should have been the answer. Yeah, it,
4: it's <laughs> for both of us, right? Yeah, I, again, I went Zaire Franklin. I went Zach you, Moss. You and Zach Moss. That, that's before Zach Moss disappeared, like he has the last two games from well, being then, on the field. I also debated defensive player of the year, Kenny Moore or Buckner. That was that was right. where I, I debated a little bit, but I mean, Buckner has just been so durable. Again, he he welcomes double teams on a very consistent basis. He still produces for you. Uh, he was great again yesterday. I
3: mean okay so yesterday let's play the the Ryman sound. This was Stacy Dales. So the Colts yesterday had Dio do what he did in front of uh, okay I mean this is this is a guy whose family doesn't yeah. see him play, okay? And I got to be honest, I didn't know that was his background. He's a
4: son of Nigerian immigrants and I believe grew up in some New York. His, in New York and I believe some of his aunts and uncles live in somewhere in, in, in Europe. Right. And so he
3: you know he doesn't have family that is there like a lot of the guys that have all of their family in America. OK. So that's his story. Daryl Baker Jr., I guess this is via FaceTime. As someone who just went through this, and you guys have are or, or easily more wily veterans, welcoming children into the world than I am. I mean, he's watching his son being born while he's on a plane to Germany. Okay, so I mean, that's a
4: that's an incredible can, story. Can we just read this tweet here from Daryl Baker? Yeah, Jr.? go ahead. Okay. Thank you God. Got the win in Germany. I'm thinking <laughs> I, now reading the tweet, I might leave that to the back part of the tweet. What's better is my son being born while I was on the flight to Germany. That's unbelievable. I was blessed to be able to witness my fiance give birth live on FaceTime oh. while on the plane. What a trip it has been. Jade, I love you. This win was for y'all. We had him on during camp. Yeah. You and I did, yeah. And, and we were, in you know, we we talked about how she was pregnant, and, and I'm trying to think of how far along she was because Andy, and you know this, sure, certainly, yeah. uh, I was curious, you know, where she was at in terms of 40 weeks. What's well, almost everything. almost the same timeline as me, really.
3: I mean, it's a couple weeks difference. That's about it. Can he you was imagine hoping for
5: the bye week? I remember he told us, I he did like, say
4: he's that he like, had yeah, yeah, the bye week. Right. Right. almost
5: made it. Maybe we can make
3: it. Damn, we almost made it, man. And Daryl this...
4: Baker right now is back in that third corner role, and you know, certainly he doesn't get tested a lot when you're facing Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi and everything, but yeah, yeah, what a moment for him! Can like, you imagine?
3: Who's holding the phone? Which end right. are they on on the yeah. phone? There's a lot. There's a lot of questions. I feel like that he probably doesn't want answered. But like his other teammates, are people trying to sleep around him? His other teammates know what's going on as he's watching this on FaceTime. Plus, I mean, I, I know they're the Colts and they're an NFL team, but he had good internet on flight. To me, might th- that
4: that deserves Goat of the Week? I don't know if <laughs> yeah, Goat of the Week is I think that's Jade it. or the Wi-Fi on oh. Insert Airline the Colts flying over there. I need a here, hit your here your mic. Sorry, there, Mark. Couldn't or that that data plan exploded. Because I always thought once you get over bodies of water, that was when the Wi Fi struggled a little bit more.
3: I mean, I think the Wi Fi struggles all the well, time. Games. I yes. mean, just all now. I know they're flying in a little bit of a different, you know, than if we hop on Delta, sure. you know, and we're flying to you know Vegas or something like that.
5: Well, Otherwise, wise, I assume he had AirPods in or something like that. He wasn't, well, he wasn't I
3: mean, announcing
4: that. I mean, just flight.
5: imagine sitting there
3: like or the guys get this around over him. The
4: loudspeaker. Yeah, we had, do the guys flight around him? you mind playing this over the loudspeaker? <laughs> do
3: the guys around him who knows? And then Ryan after the game let's play this Mark it's like 90 seconds it's he's Stacy Dales Wonderwall Oasis is playing in the background and he becomes more and more emotional talking about his family
2: Bernard Reiman I, I don't know if I've seen so much emotion out of you what a homecoming what has this been like yeah it's just an unbelievable feeling um Obviously, every game is important, but being able to play here in Germany, having family here, um, being wel- welcomed by all these fans here, like it it was my home country. It's just unbelievable. I appreciate everyone so much, and now that win just meant that much more to me. What's it like to look up and see Grandma Erica up there, Mom Claudia, Dad Michael? Like, truly, a moment like this you'll cherish forever. Your grandma just can't fly over to the States and see you play in person. Oh, absolutely. I mean. It's a bunch of laughter opportunity um, sorry I'm just blessed to be here today uh, to be playing in front of a home crowd in front of family and um, that just meant the world to me I appreciate your emotion so much I, I feel it too I, I, the ticket that you got back in 2013 with the Vikings and the Steelers ten years later you've got tears on your eyes in Germany how do you really put into perspective just this moment that may you may not have again I mean it's just unbelievable I I wish I could talk to every person in the stadium right now because I, I remember back then how much it meant to me to watch the NFL live for the first time I was I, I just I, I just started playing football and now being on the on the flip side of it, being out here on the field enjoying a, a win is just I can't even can't even
4: put it into words go see your parents <laughs> thank you so much. Just an awesome video, uh, Mark. We tweeted that out, didn't we? Uh, from our show accounts. If you missed that, you can see it. Really cool image too of him running up and bear hugging Bjorn <laughs> Werner, who is on the call for some German NFL TV as well. And that offensive line, Andy, um, no sacks allowed. Again, that starting unit together for the first time since week five, or excuse me, week two, and no sacks allowed. Um, and Ryman, of course, a big, big part of that. So really, really cool moment from the Austrian there after the game. Sean says on Twitter to both of us, Americana song, Don't
3: Stop yeah. Believing. Yeah, that's probably a good that one. That would be a good one. When I mean, the Colts won the line of scrimmage. Against the Patriots on both sides, except Ooh, for I don't know well, if I go
4: there. Okay, well I thought you got bullied in the run game. Uh, third and you quarter, really run it. Okay, about third quarter. Yeah, but I, I guess here's what I would say: they protected well and they got after Mac Jones, but in the run game, I, I would give the edge to New England.
3: I guess I feel like they had to give something and they did enough bending without breaking. And of course, you know, New England goes down and they miss a chip shot field goal, right? And they probably have a chance to score a touchdown or two. We are going to have to decide. Uh, Here, well, I say in the next couple days, we have a couple weeks and we have a couple hours left on the show here. We're going to have to figure out what we think is going to happen here. Like In other words, do they just go and they play Tampa Bay and they kind of lose and they allow a lot of points to Tampa Bay because Tampa Bay offensively and as a football team is just way better than New England, is just way better than the Carolina Panthers or were these two games where they they had to play muck it up football, they needed to play muck it up football and they needed to rely, bend but don't break, defense makes some plays and some timely plays on offense to win the game. I don't know. Because three and four weeks ago, they could throw the ball 50 times yeah, I just, with Gardner-Minchu.
4: I don't see how a bye week resurrects this passing game. I don't. I just There's no answer on the roster. To me, Minchu looks so gun-shy, jittery, squirrely, nervous, panicky, bailing out of clean pockets. Uh, I mean, hell, even if you want to point to some of the grabs yesterday, Andy, I thought Pittman had a hell of a catch. I thought Pierce made a hell of a catch. The Josh Downs play late was just so... I, That dude is a stud. He is a flat out stud to be playing whatever it was 15 total snaps, 14 total snaps. Clearly, it was limited. With the knee injury, it's a third down. And, and credit to Minchu on that play for extending it a little bit and putting a ball up in an area where only downs could get it. But what a play by the 5'9 rookie to fully extend. It. And who knows if he doesn't come down with that? That is, you know, a play where now you're backed up a little bit. You're punting from, you know, I would say the shadow of your own goal line. And you know, I'm sure Bailey Zappi just would have thrown a fake spike pick like on the 20-yard line there. But still. Who knows how the rest of the game would have played out at that point. And and the other play, I know we mentioned this out of the gate, but that Isaiah McKenzie kick return, um, you know, New England had just cut it to 7-6. That flip field position again, uh, Matt Gay kicks a 51-yard field goal after that. That pushed it back up to four points. And I don't know about you, but every time the Colts got it to four, I'm like, yeah, they're going to win this game. New England's not going to make two field goals. Yeah,
3: make them have they, to score a touchdown. They're not going right, to do it. Yeah, they're
4: right. not going to score a touchdown. They don't They don't have enough time to do that. All right, your thoughts. 317-239-1070. Uh, we'll get to you there. Uh, coming up at the 8 o'clock hour, we'll play our Goats of the Weekend as well, a ton from this weekend, and fan tweets a little bit late in the show as well. Looks like a really nice Monday morning here in Indianapolis. Thank you for spending it with us. It is the Wake Up Call. KB and Andy right here at 935-1075. 5, the Fan.
0: The wake up call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. Fourth and goal. Here we go. 58,000 here in Frankfurt on their feet. Benchu under center. Banks the snap. Quick pitch right side of Jonathan Taylor. Looking to break it out. Slashes into the end zone. Touchdown. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Germany, JT finds the end zone, and the Colts, they're on top for the first time today. Fourth and one converts for the Patriots. The clock is moving on them, though. They're out of timeouts, and Zappi fakes a blocking of the ball. He fires it up field, picked off by the Colts, intercepted by Rodney Thomas. Yes, sir, the Colts will take that. 31 seconds to go, and the Colts and Germany are going to be victorious.
2: It's a bunch of laughter minute opportunity. Um, Sorry, I'm just blessed to be here today. Um, playing in front of a home crowd, in front of family, and um, it just meant
3: the world to me. Remember back in the day when West Virginia was
4: good at basketball? They called, oh, it, they Pit- called it Press Virginia? <laughs> I remember Kevin Pitt Snoggle yes. and Mike Gansey with his extra, extra, extra large t shirt singing that on the floor. Just oh yeah, epic.
3: pit snoggle with uh, one of the great mustaches of all time in the NCAA uh, tournament history hey we're hanging out with you drivehuber.com studios 239 1070 you want to jump in on the conversation Colts winners uh, Indiana the Hoosiers winners the Pacers we'll dive into them they ran into Maxie and Embiid both playing at such a high level early in that game Maxie dropping 50 points there uh, we can dive into that as well again 239 1070 here on the wake up call just two quick things on the Game on the Colts game, and then I know you have a few narratives you want to dive into. Uh, I, I just and I don't know why if this is just it's happened a couple different times, and so my brain immediately sees it and I connect like the the Browns game where you know I really thought Steichen gave away ten points at the end of that half, but at the end of the half, uh, I I guess I love going for it there when that the Colts went for it. it. It was a complete wild sequence, and then like it was gutsy. You would have left. Precious time. And again, that's Steichen saying, hey, we turn the ball over almost in midfield. Go do something with it, Mac Jones. Go do something with it, Bill O'Brien and company. And so there's that. So he goes for it. And then it's a bad snap, and I'm still surprised that Matt Gay was short on the
4: field goal. Yeah, and, Sanchez did a great job getting that down.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was not a good snap. Who knows if that ultimately went into it, but he was about a half yard short on a 57-yard field goal was Matt Gay. And, and the only reason I bring that up is it, there's no harm in missing that field goal. You wish the execution would have been a little bit better, so maybe it's a 55-yard field goal and it's a good snap. And then you get three points there, and we're talking about how great Matt Gay is. But then you come back in the second half and throw the interception. That's the reason I bring it up. Because there's, I don't know, there's just something, I feel like there's something around halftime with the Colts where they're ready to give points up in a couple of these games. And you get the interception, you get the missed field goal, thank God you're playing the New England Patriots. And then the second thing was, and, and I don't know how you feel, I get why people are doing it, I get why Steichen does it, but the the tush push doesn't quite hit no. when you're not the Philadelphia Eagles. No. I, I saw people were calling it the the NapTown nudge. I just and I like the names. They're creative names. I just I despise the play. And I guess I'm get off my lawn, old what? man. Here, I just I'm done with it.
4: Ugh. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more patience there and letting your booth get another look at the Michael Pittman, Pittman screen. Like it looked I like it looked like a touchdown. I Pittman was in there. Um, and again, it's not like that play has been foolproof for you, Andy. It didn't work in Week One. You haven't really run it. I don't think maybe even since then. So, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more patience because that fourth and goal, which you just heard the highlight there from Matt Taylor. I um, mean, that was a hell of a play by Taylor in space and Kylan Granson. You know, keeping that second effort going for that block. And you look back on it, that's a huge play? play. That's a play of the game. Oh, it's a block of the game. That's the only touchdown of the game, and that was a huge, huge play. And you know, I I almost feel a little bit repetitive from last Monday in that Andy, you beat the worst team, in the NFC last week, you beat the worst team, in the AFC this week. If those are the repeated performances moving forward, you're not going to be in the serious playoff race. So that's the question for the next two weeks. Did you play to your competition or is that the norm? Are you more of that football team we've seen the last two weeks? Because for the most part this year, I think the Colts have largely played to their competition, good and bad. Um, but I would agree with that. Yeah. For the next 2 weeks, maybe outside the Jacksonville game, the second one. right?
3: right, right. I never really
4: felt like they were in that game. Yeah. They tried to make game it they've close. No, but in. I mean, look at Cleveland either way, absolutely either way. 100%. Uh, now, for the next 2 weeks, every time they flash up the AFC, they are in the hunt. They are on that graphic of in the hunt. And the AFC is crazy jumbled right now. Uh, teams 3 through 13 in this conference are separated by 2 games. And if you look at the standings, Andy, right now, the Colts are in 10th. Obviously, there's seven teams that make the AFC playoffs. You play the fifth team, Pittsburgh. You play the seventh team again, Houston, who you've already beat once. Yep. Right now, Houston's in the playoffs. You play Cincinnati. We started today. You play the eighth team. That would be Cincinnati here in a couple of weeks in Cincinnati, or I guess that would probably be a month from now. And you also play the Raiders, who've won two in a row with Antonio Pierce. That's your second-to-last game of the season. So... That's the question now I have is can you survive two more games without Grover Stewart? Is there any resurrection of your passing game? Because unquestionably, if you want in the hunt to still be there come Christmas, you're going to have to play better than what you've played the last two weeks. I'm not holding my breath for the passing game having some sort of resurrection. I could see where your defense gets a little better with Grover Stewart being in there. Um, And obviously you're going to play some offenses that aren't as incredibly inept as Carolina in New England. But that's kind of how I view things right now as they sit here at 5 and 5 because the AFC is so darn crowded and as I've said all year long and as a bigger reason why I thought this team would win 7 games, I think the schedule's a joke. And it remains a joke and it's very manageable.
3: What do we do then with the next 2 weeks? What should we expect from the passing game? It's a question I throw to you. I throw it to myself. I throw it to Mark. I throw it to the audience. I just don't know the. I don't know the answer on. Like, like, part of me feels like Gardner Mintrew throwing the ball. I think he's got
4: turnover scar tissue.
3: I, I, I think that's probably it. I guess you know he threw the ball. He was eighteen of twenty-eight. Like to me. I don't want to see him throw the ball 50-some-odd times. That means you're either behind. I mean, to me, that means you're behind and you've abandoned the running game. I also feel like... Kevin, that they, they run the ball well early, right? And it's like, then they then the second possession, like they ran the ball eight straight times that first possession with Jonathan Taylor. And then it paid off with the touchdown. You're like, okay, we're dominating this front defensive line of the Patriots. And then the second possession, Steichen goes back and he throws the ball three straight times. Now, where I back Steichen is, if you throw the ball on first down, so many teams in the NFL run the ball there. I bet Mark, if you're watching your Chicago Bears and mm-hmm. they say we're going to get risky, okay? By we're the gonna, way, you guys g-
4: arguing over when the next win would come for the Bears and the Giants during the break during the break was absolutely tremendous. We
3: want to bring that to the air in the nine o'clock yeah. hour. You want to bring that? I don't know That's what desperate. we're doing, baby. Be really
4: thrilling for yeah. the audience.
3: Going game by game of the yeah. Chicago Let's Bears. Break it down. Well, they could beat Atlanta in a month, uh, which they probably could beat Atlanta in a month. But like the second possession, he throws the ball three straight times, Kevin, and the, and, and I don't mind this, even though. I could, you know, kind of harp on it here is when you throw the ball on first down, so many people in the NFL automatically run on second down. And so they get themselves into third and eight. (laughs) <laughs> third and 7 they get 3 yards and it's like Sykin's like I'm not going to do th- like I'm not going to do that I'm just going to throw again instead of being third and 7 why you know it could be third and 10 the ball's batted down and then the third uh the, then the third drive was a mixture of both we had a short yardage situation with Taylor and they don't get it they end up punting so it had a little bit I just like to me are they going to be able to run the ball well all game, and I don't feel like they're doing that, but I also feel like Steichen and Minshew understand that the recipe of winning isn't him throwing the ball 55 times and there is that scar tissue there and the more you drop him back and if he drops back 12-15 more times the chance of there being a fumble or an interception is a rather high possibility in my mind so I, I don't know what the fix is other than muck it up getting these rough type of games and I, and I say that you know, I mean, they they were able to score against Cleveland. They put thirty-eight on the board. They were able to score against New Orleans. So even a couple weeks ago, what I'm saying doesn't fit what I feel now. Now I feel like play defense, run the football, and hope that whether it's a Pittman play, a Josh Downs play, that you can hit three or four of those big plays. But Minshew's not winning you games. He's almost losing you games, but he's not quite losing you games. So I don't know what to do here. I, yeah. I got to be honest.
4: Minshew's got to go enjoy the bye week and totally reset his mind. Where do you think he, he, he goes? Put him in the Caribbean for a full week. <laughs> let him do things that, you know, we don't want to know about and and regroup. I think it's all in his head, Andy. I think it's all in his head. Because when he has opportunities to make plays, those aren't being made. Right. It's slight overthrows. Yeah, he, he had you know, overthrows. Misses of, of, of open guys. And, you know, that's usually you know, his M.O. is he's accurate. Very accurate. You give him a clean pocket, he's going to put the ball on target, and he's going to do it pretty f- frequently. It's honestly... You know the inability to create a little bit more. You know, obviously, doesn't have a huge, huge arm by any means. Um, but I look at it and think the decision making and the processing are question marks. And I honestly, the processing goes back. Remember that Baltimore game when Kyle Hamilton free blitzer after free blitzer after free blitzer in that game. Like this dude just made his thirtieth career start yesterday, and it, it's still a bit of a struggle in that area for him. There were moments I'm watching that game. I'm thinking back. Man, we had Joel Erickson on the show on Thursday, and I asked Joel to address his hot take that he had (laughs) on his own podcast um, leading into the game against New England, and his hot take was I wouldn't mind seeing a Sam Ellinger-led offense with Shane Steichen calling the plays. Yeah, but you trumped him. You went Kellen Mond. (laughs) I did go Kellen Mond You said to
3: Joel, get out of the way. I got something Uh
4: better. Put Kellen Mond in the game. And honestly, I sit here on this Monday morning, I'm like – is that the craziest thought? Like, I know they're not going to do that, but Minchu's play has been so bleh as of late that those thoughts, to me, are not you just quickly laugh at them and move on from them. Um, I guess the only saving grace, Andy, in the last two weeks is he's only turned it over once. Right. But, I mean, even yesterday, it, it, it felt like a lot of times when New England created the pressure, they almost just stopped rushing him. And Minshew just panics out of the pocket and is able to escape and throws it away. So uh, Shane Steichen's got a lot of work to do with that passing offense here because I I feel like you've got to throw it a little bit to try and offset the loaded boxes that Jonathan Taylor's getting because Taylor didn't run it at all to an effective manner over the final three and a half quarters of that well, game. Well,
3: that's the thing. If you're not going to be able to... yards per carry? Yeah, if you're not going to be able to throw the football, three yards per carry, 23 for 69 in right, the touchdown. After, and the... after that opening drive, no, that's there, exactly, there's no, no way he was m- no, more than spot, like two, you're, two you're and a half You're spot yards. on. No, I mean, it had to be just a couple yards. Uh, let's do this. Steichen, he called Minshew savvy after the game. Here's that sound.
6: Yeah, no, he's got some savviness to him. You know, some of those third downs, especially early on that first drive, I think we had two third downs, created some big plays on some scrambles, um, which was huge. And then obviously the big one we just talked about to Josh Downs uh, was huge, um, but he's got good poise, you know. He sees it well, um, and it was good. It was a good team. It was a good team win. Here, yeah, here's that's, here's that's the thing. That's one way to describe
3: it. Uh, when Minshew, and I know like even the Colts on social media put the Minshew magic on the play to Josh Downs, where he's running around, he throws a dime. I mean, it's a dime. It's a great catch. It's a great play. Uh, I mean, all of all of it's fantastic. It was a big time, big moment, big play. Injured guy and everything else. It's there is a thin line between the Minshew magic and him being completely scatterbrained does that make sense like there is a thin line there Minshew can do you know can go back and twirl around and juke a guy and run to the sideline and make some sort of crazy throw and he completes it and you're like ah there's Minshew but the other times he does it turns into well he nearly threw a pick or he threw a pick or he overthrew a guy which he did multiple times yesterday that were open so there's this there's this thin line between the Minshew Madness in the, <laughs> the Minshew magic is how I feel, but he ain't going anywhere, man. I mean, he's 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 locked in. I mean, you hear how Steichen's talking about him. He's locked in. He's the he's the starter.
4: And you know, w- when you look at the blueprint against Minshew right now, Andy, it's and I guess Minshew slash the Colts offense. It's load the box, press the wideouts, make Gardner Minshew get off his first read, and if he has to get off his first read, then he's probably bailing the pocket. And then it's just scrambled. Then it's a playground play. And, and I guess, you know, savviness is probably where Shane is going with that. I guess some of it is a little savvy in that, you know, he did extend at times and create whatever, an extra play or two for you at different moments in that game. But it, it's just not a recipe for sustained success at all. And you saw it yesterday. Um, again, you had the opening touchdown drive, Jonathan Taylor had eight straight carries on that drive. After that, you got to New England's. 28 yard line. That was the furthest you got the rest of the game. And this is not a vaunted New England defense. Yes, they're a good run defense, but this is not well, the best players injured. Vaunted New England run right. defense. They were on their third um, signal caller, Jawan Bentley. The Purdue product didn't play. Mac Wilson got hurt early in the game, um, so they were very banged up at a key spot of their defense. There, um, what are you good with the split, Taylor DeMoss? I'm. I was stunned by that again oh, 50 I, I, snaps is, to 9 How is that not what Taylor a, to Moss 24 touches for Taylor Zach Moss had one touch in the entire game Okay so I'm not I'm not against Moss getting a
3: lot less okay I would be disingenuous and inconsistent here on the radio because I have you know you're paying Jonathan Taylor he's your guy he's the better player right and you guys have talked about this Kevin you've talked about this ever since we started the show that Jonathan Taylor is one of those guys that he'll wear you down with with some runs and then he'll pop a big one okay now in this game that did not happen for a myriad of reasons of which we've talked about but that's the kind of conversation is around Jonathan Taylor Taylor. With that being said, I'm stunned that Zach Moss had one touch on Sunday. So much so that it's a win. And so, like, since you win, you know, Gardner Minshew's scattered play isn't a conversation piece if Bailey Zappi goes down and wins the game there, or if Mac Jones plays better and the Patriots kick a field goal, whatever they make a field goal and they win the game there. Uh, Zach Moss not being involved, it makes me think something. It makes me think he was injured or sick, right? Yeah, and 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 you have to and think he that. was
4: not on the injury report. He has been on it here at different points late October, even I think maybe last week before the Carolina game. He was not on it all this week. Um, something that I would like to see with the running backs moving forward is, and I think this can kind of offset the loaded boxes that Taylor's getting so frequently, I'd like to see kind of a mandatory three to four catches per game for Taylor. Just I, let I totally him agree. In space. He had one yesterday. Yeah, he only had one. And then, again, I think that allows you to put two backs on the field, which, to be fair, there were moments yesterday they had Moss and Taylor together on the field. Again, Moss only played nine snaps. Actually, I think there were a moment Trey Sermon might have been on the field, too. So, uh, that's something I'd like to see a little bit more of, of let Taylor get downhill. I mean, You know, Shaquille Leonard whiffing contributed to a lot of this, but there were some times where Zeke Elliott and Stevenson got in the open field via screen, via a little dump. And, um, you know, when your quarterback play is as inept as both of those quarterbacks were for large chunks of yesterday, getting your playmakers a chance in space, I think, would be wise. And we've seen that with Taylor. I mean, his first game back, he had that kind of crossing route where he catches the ball in space, it's man coverage, and he takes off for a big, big gain. I think that is something... That you would like to see. Taylor had six carries for 31 yards on that opening touchdown drive. Uh, for the rest of the game, Andy, he had 18 carries for 38. And I look at that number and think, that's stunning. so much of that is due to load the box and force
3: Minshew to try and beat us. 2 three, nine, 10 70 Okay, the other thing we have to talk about, and coming up here in about 12 minutes, we'll get to our GOATS of the week, is we got to talk about Shaq Leonard. We got to talk about Leonard at some point here. Um, He had two solo tackles. He assisted in a lot of tackles, but that means he wasn't making uh, the solo tackles himself. And for a guy, and this is one of those things, I'm not going to do the easy sports radio thing, but it's understandable if I did. And what I saw yesterday on Twitter, uh, you know, basically I felt like Colts fans agreed with me. So I'm interested what you guys think. I mean, that first drive was a disaster for Shaq Leonard. Yeah, he had an absolute
4: Um, whiff on the Zeke screen, and then I believe the whiff on the very next play. Yeah, I mean,
3: back-to-back plays. uh, The Ezekiel – I mean, Zeke Elliott is – as I mean, I hate to say washed up. He has a little bit of tread left, but this is not, you know, one of the best running backs in the league. This is not being shook by Saquon Barkley or Austin Eckler. I don't know why I'm going to those two. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? That it's not the 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 cream of the crop, if you will. When we get to when we get to running backs and back to back bad plays and just. I, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, he, he talked a lot. He talked big on what was it, Thursday? So you didn't even get to react to that, right? Yeah, I was he, there he on, on Thursday. Well, you were there on Thursday, yeah. but I'm saying reacting on the show because you were getting. I mean, we, we got to get to your Indie.com too at some point. But what are your thoughts on Shaq Leonard? It's one of those times where he talked big and then immediately in the game, he let the defense down. And that's all anybody's going to remember now coming from
4: that game. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with Gus Bradley on why he doesn't doesn't play Shaq Moore. Um frankly I think EJ Speed should probably be playing a little bit more if you look at the snap totals from yesterday. Zaire Franklin every single defensive snap at 69 of them, Shaq Leonard 48, EJ Speed 33. Um Leonard cannot be here next year and he can't be here next year especially at the price that you're paying him right now. I mean you you know even if he's unhappy, you're paying him $20 million based off the Matt Eberflus defense. I I think if we really want to get in the nitty-gritty of it, you're paying him off of Matt Eberflus's role. So now his role is not, with Gus Bradley, what it was with Eberflus. So that price tag doesn't add up. Let's start there. Then you get to the second part of it. You're paying him that money. Why? Because he put up Canton, Ohio-like numbers through his first four seasons in taking away the football, making the splash plays. Andy... Yesterday is at yet another game. Is it 13? Where you look at the Leonard stat line, and yes, he has nine tackles, only two of them solo, ton of assists. But then you go to sacks, zero. Tackles for loss, zero. Quarterback hits, zero. INTs, zero. Passes broken up, forced fumble, fumble recovery. You get the drift. Zero, zero, zero. I mean, that that's, I think it's 11, 10 straight games, something like that. And if you just want to compare him and speed, because theoretically, him and speed are playing the same position. Yes, speed's on the field for a few more third downs, uh, but still, first and second downs, if you look at Leonard's career, he's made those plays. He's not making the splash plays. He's not doing what you paid him to do and what he did through his first four seasons. And I actually thought Greg Doyle did a really nice job in setting up that piece yesterday, kind of followed Leonard throughout um, the, the the entire game, and he had you know a, a section there of you know he feels bad for Leonard. Mm-hmm. I do due to his you know physical on sure. um, things that wait, he's gone wait, through. He
3: used to be a great player, and Nerve he's not damage. a great. He's not a great player. You know, he's
4: needed multiple back surgeries to cor- to correct. The um the ankle issue that he's had lingering for several years. And I think for anybody that's been out to training camp, it's probably pretty easy to see. Because at training camp at Grand Park, you are so close to the action. And I say this, I, I don't know a better analogy to use. And I know the analogy might come off as I'm joking a little bit. But I want to be serious in trying to paint this picture. If you look at his left leg versus his right leg, Andy. The left leg, the injured one, looks like Without the Mario mushroom in the leg, if you catch my drift. The right (laughs) Right. leg looks like he's gotten the mushroom in that leg. And he's talked about, like, my injured leg feels like it's dragging at times. Now, he hasn't used that phrase before, or or I I should say recently. But if you just look at the difference in definition between his leg kind of calf area, one looks like, you know a guy that hasn't been able to work out that leg, lift that leg. However you want to describe it, it's been through, you know, a bunch of wear and tear. And the other one looks like a legit, you know, NFL sideline to sideline, linebacker, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, to me, it's not stunning that this is what we're seeing, but you have to live in reality. And the reality is this. He, he Frankly, I don't think he should be playing as much as he is playing. I agree. If I'm going to be totally honest. I agree. And at this value, um, there's no way that he can be here next year. Well, I, I, I appreciate his candor in each of these Uh, media sessions, Uh, all you want is honesty from him, and it's just how wired he is as a competitor. I almost walk away from that and think, man, he's just not living in reality. Which, again, these guys are such crazy competitors, there probably is an element where they can't fully live in the reality, but for anyone that watches the games... To me, I walk away from him and think almost weekly, why doesn't EJ Speed play more than Shaq Leonard? Yeah, that to me, that's the question. I mean, the question
3: to me is why doesn't EJ Speed, he is uh, way less expensive and is for sure going to be on the team next year. And now Leonard's put himself in the spot of, you know, when he, he's been a sympathetic figure, I think. I, I think people have been frustrated, but I don't think there's been the anger with what he has said the last couple weeks, yeah, people are now saying if you're going to talk, n- n- exactly. you got to walk. Now he's made himself where he's no longer the sympathetic right. figure anymore. Now he's Which, like, again, okay. I
4: think so much of that just comes from his competitive nature. Like, you know, people have asked me before, is this going to be Andrew Luck? Are we just going to wake up one day and he's going to retire? And I said no. Like Shaq to me is just he's so obsessed with football. Again, he's such a wired competitor. Like he wants this. Uh, you can argue he 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 needs it, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But if you look at the splash plays, and to me, splash plays boil down to obviously turnovers, but I also put tackles for loss in there. I put passes broken up. And this is like a little one, but think of the Minshew interception from yesterday. I forget who the player was for the Patriots, but that play happens because a guy tips the ball as it's being thrown to, I want to say Pittman was the uh, intended receiver there. That tip leads to the interception. To me, that's a splash play. You make a, you, you get your hand on a ball, and you create an errant throw, and then a turnover comes off of that. Even though technically the guy that tipped it doesn't get the interception. If you look at the splash plays and you go back the last ten or eleven games, Leonard has two. Two tackles for loss. He's got no turnovers, no passes broken up, no quarterback hits, no sacks. And you look at DJ speed, and I believe the number I added up for speed was he's got 13 of them. And that's with playing a far less amount of snaps. So to me, I, I don't think there's any argument. Like I, I, I think there's very little argument that Shaq Leonard would have um, I agree whole wholeheartedly with Gus Bradley, and frankly, think he's playing Leonard too much.
3: Yeah, I mean it's it's sad to see. I mean, if you if you could imagine, you know, having him be 75, 80 percent of, of himself when you go to spa, uh, splash plays, we'll do a check down here in a second. You know, I said this on Friday, Kevin, that interceptions and like getting like uh like a fumble, like a strip sack, something like that. Th- I, I almost don't judge him as much on those because those are like specialty plays. That's like you're a specialist, right? But it's the being, it's the solo tackles, it's the tackles for loss, it's creating, it's just creating some sort of havoc on the field, right? And he's not doing, he's not doing any of that. I mean, to me, EJ Speed needs to play seventy percent of the time, and Leonard needs to play thirty percent of the time. Again, Am I seeing
4: that wrong? He's upset with his role. And the reason why his role is not more utilized is because he's not the same player. Just point blank, period. He's just not the same player that he once was. Well, okay, he's
3: talking about... Last thing on uh, on this. He talked about... I think the thing that bothered me was, from his comments on Thursday, he acted like the Colts were withholding it from him why he wasn't playing. Uh, and, and to me, to me that's silly. That's calling out your coaches. That's kind of going a step above, if you will. So so I guess that that bothered me a little bit. What is different with Gus Bradley this year? Uh, and not Ibraflus and not the last couple years? Because he's mentioned having freedom on the field. What is different? What is that role? How is it different? That's what yeah, I'm asking. He
4: has said something to the effect of, like, in the role that he is in at linebacker, he is supposed to absorb, I think, a little bit more from a blocking standpoint, funnel the ball um, back to Zaire Franklin as the other Mike linebacker. Um, he's mentioned something about the safety, too, that is escaping me right now. Uh, but basically... That's where he says his role is not so, the same. So but again, when EJ Speed comes on the field right. in the same role, he's, he's making, making more he's making he's again, making more plays. There are plays on first and second down. It's sure. not just the third down usage for But
3: but I guess my, my point is you know this was just a money thing where it was this is crappy, it's his contract's too much, and he's not playing as well, and we love Leonard and everything else. But last week he went after his coaches. I mean, he did. He he questioned his coaches. Right. He questioned the franchise for not being upfront with him. And then he said something to the effect of, "You know, people want you to to to, to keep coming at him until you start stepping on toes." Was well, he talking about Zaire Franklin, who might have 200 tackles this season, who leads them in tackles every single game he plays? I, mean, I think you're talking you don't about the want coaching that. staff. Okay, there. yeah, you don't want you don't want it yeah. to be okay. I'm anti-coaching staff, and now when guys like Franklin and guys like Speed are having success and they're taking some of that, they're taking your stuff away from you. Now, now, now you're talking about them. Uh, to me, to me, he's he's on the edge of going down a road that you don't want to go to, right? To where you have a player who's so unhappy that it becomes a big story. It's not it's not a big story yet, but one more press conference uh, of his, you know, next Thursday, it absolutely could become one.
4: Again, we're ten weeks into the season. If you're evaluating right now, there's no way he can be back, especially if I follow the Chris Ballard standard to value, value, value. I mean, Ballard preaches that to the nth degree of like, what does this guy mean to our system? Well, your defensive, if Gus Bradley's here next year, which I don't know, maybe that's a question. But if he is here, Shaq Leonard should not be making $20 million. If you're Zaire Franklin, you're saying, wait, where are we at here? With how much money yeah. he's making versus me. I and mean, EJ Speed's going to make five next year. Uh, let's lead off the morning checkdown. Let's go a little basketball to lead off. The morning
0: checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
3: All right, last night, if you stayed up, Pacers, losers, 137-126. Mark, can you cue up the Maxi clip from Rick Carlisle? I think we said that, but I can't remember our conversations now during the break. 50-burger, right? 50-burger from Tyrese Maxi. He's become a pretty good player there, obviously, in Philly. Here's head coach Rick Carlisle after the game.
6: You know, each year, he's like Tyrese. He gets better each year. He's added range to his game. He's, you know, he's got the, you know, the, the step back shot is now a big part of his arsenal. He hit three or four of those. Those are just tremendous one-on-one plays. And so we got to do, do some things to get, his, get him out of such an easy rhythm, you know, uh, to start the game.
3: 126-137. I don't know why I gave you the score backwards like we're in Europe anyway. Philly gets the win. The Pacers now 6-4 and four on the season. Halliburton, another double-double. 25-17 double, assists there. 22 points for Turner. Buddy Healed played a little bit more. 21 minutes, 16 points. Gave him some offense there early on, but ultimately not enough stops for the
4: Pacers. Yeah, and Joel would be 19 in the first quarter, so he certainly set the tone early on. All right, elsewhere on the hardwood, last night, Indiana survives against Army. Uh, Army came into the game ranked 300. How many Division One teams are there, by the way? Are we oh, at like 350, 360? Well, I need to
3: look that up because if Indiana plays Louisville... Next week, in whatever classic yeah. they're a part of, which they most likely will, if they end up playing each other, I mean, Louisville's going to be <laughs> gonna be dead square at the bottom. Uh, Ken Palm has 362 teams. Okay. 362.
4: Army was ranked 338 coming into last night. They had a first-half lead for large chunks. They had... They were tied with three minutes to go in the game. Uh, McKenzie Mbako, the five-star freshman, did not play the final fifteen minutes of the game. He got benched. Mike Woodson was pretty adamant. He's got to play harder after the game. Woodson, in general, Yikes. said the team's got to play faster. I would assume that would mean a change of the starting lineup. They're 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 too big almost in that starting lineup with Mbako, Malik Renu, and Clay Ware. Ware was important. Uh, honestly, his size was the difference in in Indiana retaking that lead. Uh, Army had lost to Stonehill the other night. I'm not familiar with Stonehill's <laughs> basketball heritage. Uh, they had scored 44 points against Stonehill and lost to them by 13. So uh, Stonehill is 342 in the Ken Palm. Are you a Ken Palm guy, by the way? Uh, I, I can't say I'm married to it, but okay. it seems like a lot of people
3: utilize well, it. Well, I'm just using that as an example. So I don't know. Right. Some people hate Ken Palm. I don't hate Ken Palm. I'm not married to it, but I, I sound like I'm married to it here uh, early on.
4: Indiana is a major work in progress here early in the season. They've We've got Wright State coming up on Thursday. Tonight, Purdue is a 15 point favorite. I saw this morning. 15 and a half against Xavier. That is at Mackey Butler in East Tennessee State tonight. So a couple of Monday night hoops uh, as the Pacers are off until Tuesday.
5: Stonehill, not as random as uh, Evansville's opponent on, on Thursday <laughs> yeah. night. Who was it, recap. Mark? University of Health Sciences and Pharmacy in St. Louis. <laughs> what? Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's
3: who Evansville beat him
5: 116 to 46. I looked it up. Yeah, they're. Their mascot is... Are they the Tigers? No, they're like an equation or something. I forget what it's like. <laughs> they're pie. It's, yeah, it's something crazy. <laughs> Guys. It was bizarre. I was like, they're playing pharmacists? What's happening here? <laughs> My Irish lost to Western Carolina.
3: <laughs> oh no, did they? At
4: home on, on That's Saturday. Good. Well, you
3: knew it was a rebuild. No I wonder know. you're not wearing any Notre Dame gear. Football's on a bye in the and Shrewsbury. It was a major rebuild from Yikes. Michael Shrewsbury. Uh quickly NFL. Uh we've been talking about it. Colts winners ten six there in Germany. Other notable games. Uh Texans again. I mean, Texans come back from the dead, they beat the Bengals in Cincinnati, 30-27. to Another good day. C.J. Stroud, 356 yards, led another touchdown, game-winning touchdown drive. Josh Dobbs continues to be great. 27-19, Vikings over the Saints. Derek Carr left that game. Uh, Steelers, 23-19 over Mark Dykton's Packers. Go ahead and hit the that sounder. Uh, and then the Browns come all the way back, down 17-3, 17-9. They come back. They win 33-31. Lamar Jackson. Throwing a pick six in that one. That wasn't good. And uh, the Browns continue to win ugly there. Uh, and a big one just for the AFC, looking at the playoff picture. Raiders in an ugly game, 16 12 last night over the Jets. Did you see Rob Sala's beard? That's been the discussion the last couple weeks. Have you seen any of that? Yeah, uh uh-huh. It's,
4: it's I mean, darker than normal. <laughs> I
3: mean, yeah, if I walked, if I walked in here with bleach blonde hair tomorrow, okay, that's basically like the opposite of Rob Sala. I mean, that thing I'd is... i like
5: to see
4: that, to be ooh, quite honest. Would you? Yeah.
3: See, I'm letting the new hair Frosted follicles tip.
4: breathe so, a little bit here. We need to talk about what you're going to be doing with your hair. Well, I, I think the hard Here's part here. is over, hopefully. Um, yeah, the hair right now looks Mac Jones, and by <laughs> you know the end of the calendar year, hopefully it looks a little bit more Dio There you go. More Tom Brady. Yeah, I thought you meant
3: good and bad. Tom Brady, well, had sure. A, Tom, yeah, yeah. Tom Brady had a hair procedure. He probably had multiple.
4: Yeah, well, Jake was all over that, wasn't Jake saying he got a lot of Botox? Uh-huh. Tom Brady, oh yeah. tons, He's tons. With Do we mention any college football? I, 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 I know mean, the Nepal contingent's going to rip win me for, for not mentioning for the Purdue. Bell. Yeah, Purdue, uh, nice win over Minnesota. Indiana gave up a million passing yards to a Ball State transfer. They will now not go to a bowl game and. Case that was ever even remotely a possibility. Uh, the Monon Bell, the DePaul Tigers. DePaul never quits, isn't that what they say? Double overtime there. Uh, they win. Uh, that was a beautiful play call, by the way. In double overtime for the game winner, Greg Rakestraw on the call for that one. Undefeated season for the Tigers. They beat Wallbash the first ever overtime game in 129 meetings. All right, some more Colts conversation on the other side. It is the wake up call. With KB and Andy.
3: Yeah, yeah. Reminder, you miss any of our show, any of the shows. Jake coming up, uh, Query and Company at noon. JMV coming your way at 3 o'clock. Go ahead and download the app. It's absolutely free. Or visit us online, 1075thefan.com. I assume, Kevin, you're going to have a piece up with whatever. Is Steichen talking today or right, he's tomorrow, not? Right? He's yeah. It's tomorrow, yeah, they right? They landed well, like early, early this morning. Did they? That. That, that's yeah. what I figured. So mm-hmm. uh, a much better flight home, I would imagine, from Germany. Uh, <laughs> after getting the win, the Colts move to five and five. All right, let's jump into it. Our Goats of the Week.
0: Who is the Goat? I told you all that I was the greatest of all time. Jordan, here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! That's what I'm talking about. That's why he's hearing me. That's why he's the Goat. The Goat. Or Goat. Hey! This guy sucks. Of the week.
3: Alright, go to the week. KB, you wanna lead us off here? You wanna go with the, the, the big goat, the yeah. bad goat, the good goat, the evil
4: one? Where do you wanna go uh, here? I'm gonna go big goat, okay? <laughs> okay. And I'm gonna go with the agent to Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> yes.
3: Just You know what, like just college football, just SEC football in general. Mel
4: Tucker's agent, Jimbo uh, Fisher's agent. I don't know where else we need to go for this, but the ability to construct and execute that contract with Texas A&M. And by the way, I hear this from everybody. Texas A&M, they've got more resources. It's a great job. Why has no one won double-digit games there consistently? they have fired their last 11 coaches,
3: and that I meant to bookmark this, but someone on Twitter, since Jameis Winston left Jimbo Fisher, okay, at Florida State, at Texas A&M, there was a list of like 15 quarterbacks, and they're all dismissed or transferred. Yeah, but didn't Kyler Murray leave? <laughs> they're all they're all basically either he got rid of them, or they're like, I gotta get out of here, I gotta get
4: away from Jimbo I, I, Fisher. I'm so confused how like, oh, unbelievable job, they've got oil money, like None other. So why why aren't they winning? I mean, they were in the Big Twelve. It's not like they've been in the SEC for all of these years. Uh, so yes, the agents, the agent to Jimbo Fisher, and uh, I'll throw in Mel Tucker as well. Uh, by the way, we need Urban Meyer to text A M so bad.
3: Can we make this happen? Yeah, but A&M's gutless. I mean, how do you not make Bobby Petrino the head coach for the rest of the season? That's what everyone wants is Bobby Petrino. Not the defensive coordinator. Put Petrino on the sideline. My other goat was
4: to the Wi-Fi for the Colts flying over so Daryl Baker Jr. could see the birth of his his daughter. But um, I decided to go a little different route than the sentimental route. The birth of his wife would be an entirely different story quite the, w- quite the w- same.
5: W- yeah. W- I would have married that woman. <laughs> my good goat, my good goat is kind of overarching. I thought the week 10 slate on Sunday was fantastic. I thought it was the best NFL Sunday we've had all season. It was good. And that was despite the Chiefs, Eagles, and Dolphins all yeah. being on buys. I mean, you had compelling games all day. You had the early window of Texans-Bengals, Browns-Ravens, Steelers being the Packers. Then you had the Lions-Chargers slugfest. You had Kyler Murray's return and the Cardinals' beating the uh, Falcons. The Seahawks and the Commanders came down to it. It was a Mm -hmm. glorious Sunday, especially after we slept-walked through the uh, Colts-Patriots game and and the Sunday night game was not great, but overall, that was the best Sunday of football all season.
3: Yeah, and I'll go and I know, listen, I've done this a couple times. I I guess it's just because I was wrong and I'm watching him and and it matters now for the Colts, but I mean, my go to the week, I'm going to go back to C.J. Stroud. He even threw a late interception where I thought oh boy, they're going to give this game away. I guess Cincinnati was due but i mean the texans are 5 and 4 they've won a couple road games cj stroud has been good he's been good when it has mattered the most and he's making guys like tay was it tank dell and noah brown i mean they're leading rushers devin singletary and someone by the name of xavier hutchinson was on was in the game i, I mean they are I, I i don't know man to me if i'm a colts fan i don't like that cj stroud is playing so well and cj stroud has put himself at least in the mvp uh, consideration I I still am not sold. They're going to be a playoff team, but I don't know. If you're a Texans fan, you got to be you got to be thinking about buying season tickets,
4: don't you, next year? I mean, this gets pretty good. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, he could be He's our go-to the week for several of these weeks. All right, my lowercase one and, you know, I I guess a bit of remorse and thoughts and prayers to the Michigan family. Mm. Um, But boy, um, this from Santa Ono, the president of Michigan, his tweet. Countless members of the University of Michigan family have reached out to me over the weekend. I wanted to express my appreciation. Like any community, we face our share of challenges and adversity. There have been many such moments in our history. But as our team showed so clearly yesterday, we'll respond to any challenge. (laughs) Head on with a conviction to do better and to merge even stronger, go blue. Uh, I guess Jim Harbaugh died. Yeah, because based off the reaction from um, their interim head coach, Sh- Sharon Moore, Sharon Moore, who I on, like, who I like a great deal, like Indiana, you could hire him. So, well, how about Jimbo Fisher to in Indiana, or is Jimbo <laughs> going to sit on that money for ten years? <laughs> <laughs> when did you sit on that money? Go to the golf course? Oh on? yeah, oh, I would. man. Jimbo I, I, Fisher. I mean this in all seriousness. Lowercase goat to the University of Michigan for they suspended Harbaugh in the first place. Yeah. Do they not remember this? Yeah, at now the they're beginning of like the yeah. dude is dead. Yeah. They're weeping on the field about
3: him. Well, they're and they're trying to do the thing of, Well, it's a precedent, the Big Ten set, and like while they
4: might not be wrong with some of that, there ain't no one buying that. Not like, one person. Think about my venom towards Ryan Day in Ohio State a month and a half ago. Right. Remember right. that? Yeah, I, I, listen, I remember. I am now all in on the Buckeyes here in two weeks really? against Michigan. Really? Okay. I am all I, this, Really? It is incredible to, incredible <laughs> to me how Michigan is acting like Jim Harbaugh has died and they are now playing for him. Well, Sharon Moore did the – he was crying, and I was going to dub the sound, but he
3: praises the Lord, and then he immediately drops an F-bomb. And I'm like, what? Well, he's <laughs> my
5: kind of guy right there. <laughs> yeah, we can't be very play that descriptive sound. there. Yes.
4: But, like, okay, emotion, post game coach, yeah, I thought that was over the top. How about the president's message? Countless members of the University right. of Michigan family have reached victim. out to me over the weekend. Right. You suspended the dude in the first place.
3: Well, I tell you, my, my lowercase go to the week is go right to that game. That is that's the game that James Franklin cannot win. He lost to Ohio State. He scored 12 points in that game. He lost to Michigan. He scored 15 points in that game. And those are the two games. He can't win those games. James Franklin probably going to win 10 games this year. You're like, Andy, why are you yelling and screaming about a guy who's going to win 10 games? But you got to win those few games that put you over the hump and actually into the playoff. James Franklin, he's my go to the week. I mean, you have a you have an interim coach. You have Harbaugh who is suspended, who you find out hour, what an hour and a half before the game, he's not going to be able to coach. And you still lose, and yeah. you can't score against yeah. the big guys in the Big Ten. In your own stadium. In your own stadium
5: oh, in front of 110,000 people. Oh. My bad is the Chicago White Sox. You're saying baseball in November? <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Jason Benetti, Spoken the like long-time yeah. right long- voice of the White Sox is leaving to take the Detroit Dyers announced job. How bad is that? Well, the White Sox have had such a horrible season. They had so many horrible moments throughout the season. Benetti is a homegrown kid, a die-hard White Sox fan, and there's such a blank show down there that he decided to take the Tigers' job. Oh, out. Tigers gotta so be banging him too. For the White Sox even got worse because now Benetti's leaving. He and Steve Stone were the only enjoyable thing about that broadcast <laughs> the last couple years, and now they're gonna be looking for a new play-by-play guy.
4: Uh, we'll get some thoughts from someone that was at the game yesterday. The atmosphere in Frankfurt, Germany. We'll do that here coming up in a bit. We'll continue to recap Cap. colts 10-6 winners over the patriots it is the wake-up call of kb and andy you
3: heard the promo there we'll get into a little bit of basketball in the nine o'clock hour we'll get to pacers iu surviving army last night and tons of colts now i'm looking here on the hotline we have zach right and zach uh-huh. he right. reached out to you zach was at the game uh over there in germany so interested zach good morning welcome to the show what's happening man
7: how are you what? What's going on, boys? Great to, uh, great to be on. Uh, yeah, sitting here in Frankfurt, it's about 3 o'clock local time, but, uh, but it's great to be on with you guys.
4: So, Zach, great friend of my brother-in-law, Ross Lubbers. Okay. Uh, Mr. DiCarlo got a selfie with Edron James yesterday, among other things. <laughs> uh, break down the atmosphere in that 50,000-seat stadium. Honestly, on TV, uh, it sounded like almost like a college atmosphere
7: yeah yeah I mean it was a really cool experience much different than uh you know the experience that you get at Luke soil. but uh before I get into that I would uh I'd be remiss if I didn't shout out Max Bowen on his helmet pick this week uh, big to get back on the winning track
4: guy. that's two in a row for him if you're if you're tailing him by the way from a game I was standpoint. about to say
3: he's won a couple in a row does he have the same record as the Colts right now? is he 500
4: there's a rumor he might bang the anvil for the Tampa Bay game if this okay. if this keeps up' I'm about to help him with that.
7: Uh, that, that, that's funny. But uh, anyways, yeah, so the atmosphere in Deutsche Bank Park uh, w- was absolutely fantastic. I mean, you know, as, as you mentioned, 50,000 screaming fans. You know, unfortunately, I'd say it was more 80, 80 or 90% Patriots fans. Yeah, uh, like right, it, wasn't, it wasn't Patriots' uh, home game, technically, but uh, the Patriots fans did travel uh, a little bit better than the, uh, than the cold side of the equation. I will say, you know, as it relates to kind of the, the European versus American presence, uh, it almost felt like it was probably, you know, 60% European, 40%, uh, 40% American. And uh, I will say that place absolutely erupted when you had Sweet Caroline playing, you had Country Road playing. And then, you know, at the end of the game, right, I mean, let's call it what it is. You know, the game wasn't necessarily – that exciting, right? Ten six. Uh, but at the end of the game, they they played Wonderwall. Yep. And there were so many fans that stayed around for you know twenty, thirty minutes after the game, just you know having the time of their life, singing along to the uh, to the music on the on the PA.
4: Now, were they going nuts for fourth down, Zach? Because I remember when I was over there in London in twenty sixteen, the loudest cheers of the games were whenever they would kick on fourth down. <laughs>
7: I, I didn't. I didn't hear that. It's uh, so
4: a little bit more yeah, of a normal like fandom, like third downs. We're going to cheer, you know, celebrate the few good plays that that there were during the game. A little bit more of that.
7: Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't as much for the uh, for the kicking. Um, I, I will say that there were a lot of cheers uh, during some of Mac Jones. Right, the the, the few cold fans that were in there, and even some of the you know more general European fans. There was a lot of cheers when Mac Jones through those couple picks and uh it, it was it was very um it, it made me feel very good when you had some of the europeans because we, we went out with some of the german guys uh to the game but they they uh they made the comment that you know mac jones isn't the guy like you know how could you be so terrible so it, it was it was good to good to hear that
4: what was the last one what was the tailgate scene like?
7: Yeah, so uh, maybe I'll take it back to Saturday, but um, I, I got into Frankfurt on Saturday at about eleven o'clock, and I hit the I don't I don't know what they were calling it the city village where they had you know something similar to the Super Bowl where they had you know different you know they had cases where all the Super Bowl rings were they had a um, uh, like a passing exhibit where you know a lot of Europeans were were throwing and trying to hit. Different wide receiver targets, which was actually quite comical, uh, given that you know many Europeans have never thrown a football. Uh, but there were a lot of people out, um, you know, wearing all different types of jerseys. I saw a lot of Packers jerseys and some Cheeseheads. I saw Vikings, Viking fans, Bengals fans, Browns fans, a lot of Steelers fans, um, and then obviously you know Colts and Patriots fans. But the City Center was was absolutely jam packed. Um, you know, it, it was it was really good to see and you know some of the conversations with you know whether it be germans or austrians or people from amsterdam you know people were trying trying to understand football and they were trying to figure out a team or find some reason to to become fans of of the nfl in a specific team so i tried to uh i I tried to you know have have some people jump on the colt bandwagon uh which hopefully i was successful but you know a lot of people interested but uh didn't have a whole lot of whole lot of knowledge of the NFL game.
4: Carlo, great stuff, man. We're up against it. Appreciate you chiming in from Frankfurt. Safe travels back, and I'll see you at the 500 in May. Absolutely. Cheers, boys. Thanks for having me on. That's Zach DeCarlo. he was at the game yesterday. I thought it'd be good to get some yeah, little Frankfurt boots on the ground perspective. We'll continue that conversation, a little basketball as well in the 9 o'clock hour.
0: The <laughs> with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
3: 239-1070, going to dive into uh, some calls here, as always, hanging out, drivehuber.com studios, Andy Sweeney, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton hanging out with you one more hour to go. Miss any of the show, 107.5thefan.com. I'm sure KB's going to have a couple stories up here in the next couple days about the Colts as they hit their bye week. Can I ask you guys something? Can I just, just before we get sure. back? Back to the sure. Colts discussion. And we do have to dive into the Pacers. They ran into, uh, boy, Embiid was great, especially early on. And Maxi dropping a 50 spot. Indiana, the Hoosiers barely getting by Army. So not a great start to their season. Not sure if they're an NCAA tournament team right now. We'll dive into that as well. But I, I wanted to ask you guys this. So uh, this is, I-, I just want you to t- take the team away from it, okay? So Tommy DeVito is... Is who is playing quarterback right now for the New York Giants? Okay, you should not know that. You you should not know who he is. He played at Syracuse. He's a Jersey guy. He looks like a Jersey guy. Okay, uh, if I told you who looks like New Jersey, the I, I, Devito is a firefighter the, the, when they first no, showed the, up. The, the Devito family—they look like they're just from Jersey. Okay, uh, and so he he's starting. He's he's terrible. I mean, he should not be in the NFL. He should not be starting games in the NFL, and they're not going to win with him. But the story came out from ESPN.com that he's uh, he's an undrafted rookie, okay, who's been practice squad, third string. You know how it is, right? Bouncing back and forth sure. on the roster. He's living at home. His mom makes his bed. His mom does his wash. And his mom, he's a mama's boy. Is, is still making him dinner each night. When he gets back from the facility and practicing or whatever the hell that team is doing right now, he gets home and mommy has prepared for him a meal. And so I had, a, I had an argument with the buddy. Is he living the life or not? <laughs> and I ask you that because he's living the life of a starting quarterback, but he's got no chance of winning, okay? I mean, they're, they're getting embarrassed in these games and he can't do anything. So part of it is... He's getting beat up. They're not going to win, and 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 he he, he's being outed basically as not an NFL quarterback. Okay, but the other side of it is he is an NFL quarterback, and he's got his family doing everything for him. Is he is Tommy DeVito living? Is he living the life or
4: not? That's what I'm asking. Is he bringing anybody back to the crib? I hate (laughs) to get too personal, but I was wondering wondering that exactly. Well, I was kind of going there. He should have beat the he
3: should have beat the Jets a couple weeks ago. Maybe,
4: but. Will they turn to former Colts legend later in the year? <laughs> I don't know
3: who they turn to later in the Didn't year. Did
4: they they sign uh uh, uh Jacob-, Jacob-, Jacob Eason?
3: Uh, practice squad uh, is that correct? Brother, I have no idea what they're going to do. I really don't know. I mean, but again, Devito he's He's not good. No one's expecting him to be good, but he's also kind of living the life for these months. But it, but I don't know if it's a good thing or if people are. Cr- I mean, people are crushing him for living at home and his mom's making his bed.
5: Well, I mean, he's, ma- what, he's making like
4: two point seven million dollars. Save that money. I'm not. I- I'm not ripping him yeah. for for that. I'm more worried about what Friday night looks like for him. If you catch my drift, there from a starting quarterback standpoint, <laughs> your play of the game, Colts. Colts wise, it can't be. Patriots' ineptness. Okay. So, like, you can't say Julian Blackman's pick of Mac Jones. Sure. You can't say Rodney Thomas's pick of Bailey Zappy. You can't say Rigoberto's Ooh. 69-yard punt. Granted, it was a great punt. I don't know what Belichick was thinking there selling out on that. What would you go with? I- I've got a couple that stand out to me. Cult centric play of the game.
3: Okay, so the ones that come to mind immediately would be Jonathan Taylor's touchdown and the block from Granson. I like that play call, by yeah. the way. Uh, I mean, I love, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm fine with what they did there. Uh, going, I mean, Seikens going to go for it early in the game. We've
4: seen that you get Taylor out in space a little bit. You let sure. him kind of just be an athlete. You don't clog it up in the middle. And I thought Kylan Granson had a tremendous second effort in blocking a couple of guys there. And it wasn't the prettiest looking thing in the world, but somehow, someway, you got a yard and looking back on it. I mean, that was the difference. Yeah, I would say. Okay, so I would say that would just be
3: number one, just with everything that went into that drive. I would probably have da- the downs third down because the Patriots what? got the ball back. So I-, I would have that a little bit further down the list. Did make them waste a timeout. I-, I mean, I guess for me, and I've been down on this guy, you know, McKenzie, I don't think, has been very good. Uh, and I said, you know, with downs going out, that there is no next man up. McKenzie, even though it was special teams, he returned the ball to the 47. It was a 42-yard return. I think I'm going to go there. Yeah, in the third quarter. And it set up a field goal to make it 10-6. And anytime the Colts got it to where the Patriots were going to have to score a touchdown to take the lead, that's a good spot. That is a comfortable spot to be in. So I would I would probably say Taylor and then the McKenzie return in the third quarter.
4: Yeah, so I— um. I'm going to go with that Isaiah McKenzie one. I thought that was beautifully blocked and sparking that play. And I don't know, maybe some of it comes from just the scarcity in seeing big kick returns anymore. You just don't usually see that. But Chad Ryland had made that field goal. By the way, do you think he made the 35-yarder? Or did he definitely miss that? <laughs> that was one of those, it like, was should they con- extend yeah, the goalpost? It was a consensus that he missed it. So yeah. I'm, I'm just go, I'm going with that. <laughs> it him. was close. I yeah. do think he missed Oh, him, no, it was, it was as close as you could get. It was kind of wild. Uh, so he kicks the 24-yarder to make it 7-6. And at that point, I mean, you had done nothing offensively. I mean, your, your drives are just stalled, stalled, stalled. Um, that kick return to me sparks a little bit of something there. Matt Gay kicks the 51-yarder. And when the Matt Gay field goal goes in and it goes back up to 10-6, Andy, I'm thinking, all right, Colts are going to win this game. New England can't score a touchdown. Totally agree. And they're not going to kick two totally field goals agreed the rest of the way. Now, granted, they did drive to, what, your 15-yard line when they threw the pick there. But I would say for the individual plays that stand out, I think in some way, shape, or form, you go McKenzie kick return, the full extension by Downs, who, again, was limited with a knee injury, only played 14 snaps, and then um the Taylor on fourth and goal.
3: It's probably the game that that's probably the game winning series, is it not? Because otherwise the Colts go interception, punt, punt, and then end of game. Those are the other four, you know, times they got the ball there. So if I'm going by what they had done and even go back to the first half, miss field goal, punt, punt, punt. <laughs> so probably if McKenzie doesn't return that to midfield, they probably punt. Is what I'm trying to say, and, again, and they probably and,
4: lose the game. And at that point, New England is only down one, so yeah, uh, they can go down. Matt Jones goal. doesn't have to throw the pick. Can you imagine nine-seven? New England wins.
3: Yeah, it would magnify. I mean, that's. I, I think that's to me the narrative. The next two weeks, and I think fans understand it that they're extremely happy. I've been saying Operation Five and Five. You know that, and they got there, but they beat two teams. That are so bad and that could help you win the game. You know, by Bryce Young throwing the interceptions, Miles Sanders being a shell of what he was in Philadelphia. And then you look at, you know, you look at a, a, a just a depleted roster, Mac Jones. I mean, Bailey Zappi comes in. I mean, that's just a surprise. I mean, Bailey Zappi coming in with two minutes to go, hasn't got a snap in the game, cold off the bench. Hey, go, go do something. I, I don't. I, I mean, you know, New England's not very good. I, I think there's some Colts fans that don't care. They're like, give me the wins. And I understand well, that. I think there's some saying, hey, if we're going to beat Tampa Bay, you know, Minshew's got to be better. we got to be able to run the football all four quarters instead of maybe half the game. I mean, those things do matter.
4: And I, I always kind of laugh after games like this, Andy, where, you know, you have the crowd. You never apologize for a win. Yeah. And then you have the others that are looking at it and, you know, being like, in no way, shape, or form, is that effort that we saw on Sunday indicative of the Colts getting on a run for the rest of the season. And I'm a little bit more of like in the gray on that. I don't think it's just that black and white, that cut and dry. Like, yeah, at the end of the day, you add up the wins and you add up the losses and that decides who your seven playoff teams are and are not. And then you can recap games and sit here and break down a 60-minute effort and say, okay, what out of that gives you confidence? What doesn't give you confidence, what needs to improve during this bye week. Um, and the reality of the situation is, there is an element, Andy, of you play who shows up on your schedule. And for the last two weeks, what's shown up on the Colts' schedule is the easiest team in the NFC and the easiest team in the AFC. You have not played good football over the last 120 minutes, but you've gotten two wins. Right. So now here you are, 5-5, five and five, and now the question becomes, does a healthier Josh Downs all of a sudden lead to a little bit more passing offense? Does the return of Grover Stewart in a couple weeks lead to a little bit more of a steadier defensive effort on the ground? Does Gardner Minshew get less gun-shy during the bye week? Some of these answers are probably easier than others. Uh, Does Shane Steichen dial anything up differently coming out of the bye that gives you a little bit more consistency on offense? That,
3: That I think is going to happen 100%. Don't you think so? I mean, Steichen's going to have a couple wrinkles. He's going to throw at Tampa Bay immediately.
4: Right. You know that. And that's probably the one I honestly give a little bit of the most confidence in uh, of any of those. So I think those are the questions. And the reality will be you're going to sit back and watch coming up on Sunday in Week 11. You're going to see a lot of AFC teams lose, and the Colts are going to be in the hunt. And now you got a seven-game season. And where do you want to go? And I've always been a little bit more, Andy, of the thinking of a... Seven win season where Gardner Minshew plays eighty percent of the season sounds like hell, and I still kind of think <laughs> that because I don't know how much like it does. You know, does winning culture, does winning seven games with Gardner Minshew starting seventy five percent of them, does that do a lot for your winning culture? Well, does it? The question is, does it carry over? Right. Like, like there's. I mean, I think that's going to be if they win. And seven i use or the eight Jets games, example from last year. The Jets won seven games with a first-year head coach. they right. retained their head coach. And has that done something for them this year? I I, I don't think so. I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. What are the Jets going to be at the end of the year? Another 7-1 football Pro- team? Probably. So them I, and the Colts are going to be drafting right next to each other, would be my guess. But I also sit here and say, does losing two or three of those games, does drafting nine versus drafting 16 right. substantially change things? Yeah, yeah. My, my question is, like...
3: Are we going to sit here if they win seven or eight games? Because I, I think that's I think that's on the table. I think Tampa's a winnable game. I would not pick them to beat Tampa Bay, mostly because the Colts never win at Lucas Oil. Uh, <laughs> they never, never win won. at Lucas, Lucas Oil. I mean, Tennessee, you've already beat them. Winnable game. Uh, everyone out outdoes out the Steelers, but the Steelers end up winning. You know, that's going to be a lot of Steeler fans there. Atlanta, Vegas, and Houston, I mean, there, there are a couple wins. If they can get to seven or even eight, I think my question is, what what carries over when well, uh, yeah, that's just it. What carries over from this season to next season? A lot of the players are going to be the same. Perhaps someone like Kenny Moore is not back. Of course, Zach Moss, who was so instrumental early, he's not going to be back. But you could sell it as guys, we played with Gardner Minshew basically all season. And we won seven or eight games. Right, 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 like you, That's an easy, it's logical to say, well, we bring in Anthony Richardson, whatever it may be, and we're good to go. I mean, the question I would have is, what's Josh Dobbs's contract situation? Is Josh Dobbs... <laughs> Can you go get Josh Dobbs to be the backup somewhere? Is to he To be electric? the backup with you? I, I don't know what he is. Is the Josh Vikings Dobbs won electric? Five straight without Justin Jefferson. I know. I, listen, I know Dobbs right now. I'm looking at his contract. Free agent, he's unrestricted, and I don't know. I mean, I he can't be a starter somewhere. I mean, I guess Minnesota could keep him if he is a starter. You know, I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna go very far. I guess I'm just trying to search of you know next year when we look at this, what what's gonna be able to carry over? And I, I just I haven't been able to figure out that answer. And I'm I'm with you. I, I'm in this gray area because. The NFL is not college football. And college football... You have to win, and it's got to be a pageant when you win, right? It's got to be, you got to win the right way. You know this for being a Notre Dame fan. Uh, you got to win by, you, it's got to be game control. And we're, you, and we're, you just trying to, we're just well, trying to beat Marshall Not, last not year. this year, but or maybe last year, but you know what I mean. It's got to be a sexy win. It's got to be game control. It's got to be eye test. The, the thing I like about the NFL is, you don't have any of that, but that also doesn't mean you don't analyze how your team plays. Because how your team plays matters for the next games. And, and that's,
4: that's that's kind of the difficulty and, here, right? And I think, you know, part of what we're gonna to try to do here during the bye week is also, again, look at some of those storylines that were there at the start of the year, obviously a lot of the non-Anthony Richardson division, and what are the updates on that? You know, I mentioned earlier in the show, as much as it's a critical year for Quiddy Pay, it's also a critical year for Dio Dangbo. And to me, Dio Dangbo has said, I deserve to be here. Right. And I, I would agree with that. You know, Bernard Ryman, I, I think that is a positive development. You know, do you get a guy like Juju Brents back? After the bye week, some of those things. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, AJ has a uh, question on that. Uh, Mark, AJ, want to talk about Shaq? Is that correct? Uh, AJ, what's up, man?
1: Hey, good morning, guys. Um, Yeah, yeah. Talk a little bit about Shaq. It's a great victory Bundy here in Duval County. My neighbor's going to love me today, but...
3: Ooh, the <laughs>
4: Jags took one on the chin yesterday.
3: Dude, the Jags, don't, they never win it. They never win at home. The Jags have only Unless beat... Unless it's the Colts. Yes, the, yeah. the, they've only beat yeah. the Colts at home. Their other two wins, obviously, over in London, they were home games, but we know how that goes.
1: Right, yeah, when I heard they were like one and three at home, I was like, you cannot possibly be worse than us at, at home. But uh, at times, it seems like to me that Gus Bradley, he may be absolutely clueless when it comes to adjustments. Uh, speak speaking specifically of that drive that started at Patriots 4 where they just pretty much decided, hey, we're just going to run it every every down. And he did absolutely nothing to, you know, plug up that middle, whether it was on the defensive line or putting in or bringing somebody extra in the box. He just, I mean, at times he looks clueless. And then secondly, when I watched Darius Leonard uh, sit back, pretty much wait for runners to come to him, you know, do his best to mask, Avoiding as much contact as he could. And then I turn around and watch Warner and Greenlaw with the 49ers literally go hunting against the Jags. I'm like, bro, we got to do something. And, you know, he's complaining about playing time, but I'm like, you, to, to be as pay, to, to be paid as much as you, you know, I understand the injuries and everything, but to be, be paid as much as you are, you look nothing like these guys that are playing with San Francisco. So, um, I'm I'm just concerned going forward. I'm just concerned about the run defense, pretty much.
4: Yeah, and again, uh, thank you, AJ, for that. Makes no, sense. Uh, no, Grover Stewart for the next two weeks. I don't think you look at Tampa and think they're vaunted running it right at you. You do play Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, what does Tennessee look like with Derrick Henry? They couldn't run it at all, honestly, against Tampa um, last Sunday. But that's it. Grover Stewart will be back for the Cincinnati. If you want to, right now on paper, Andy at Cincinnati. On December 10th, and then home to the Steelers that next weekend. Those two games will decide this Colts season. I mean, those are two teams I think if you expect Baltimore to win the AFC North, then that would slot Cincinnati in the wild card hunt, that would slot Pittsburgh in the wild card yep. hunt. Those are two just massive. Can you opportunities. win? Can you
3: can you I, beat I, the Steelers at home? That, I mean,
4: if they right. could win at Lucas Oil, that would be the conversation. Right, and again, you immediately go there, but it's like, wait, did I just watch the Texans win at Cincinnati? Oh, well, Cincinnati can lose. I mean, we've seen that they're five
3: and four. Now, they again, can lose C. games. C.J.
4: Stroud went on the road is probably a little different than Gardner Minshew winning on the terrible. road. was
3: terrible. Burl made three throws yesterday that I mean, Gardner Minshew would not have made. And I mean that. I mean he was that bad. Burl was bad. Burl lost them the game yesterday.
4: Right now, would you bet would you feel more confident betting on the Colts to make the playoffs or Indiana to win a game in the tournament? Colts to make the playoffs. I, I'm
3: man, I don't I don't think the Who right now the Indiana Hoosiers are not are not a tournament team. And if they are, they're very much a back end. Of the tournament, play in last four in gonna need to make does a run in, in February March in Wyoming and well, the, the play I'll, in count. I'll leave that up to you guys. <laughs> does it count? I don't know. I, I it, it counts when they promote. Well, Mike Woodson's made you know three straight tournaments or what? You know when they when they wanted to promote it. Yes, I want to say yes, it does matter. But I bet there's a bunch of Hoosier fans that don't want to hear it. I mean, right now, do you think they're a tournament team? I mean, they're kind of a three man oh, team right now. They've they, got
4: so much work to do.
3: I mean, I said they were yeah. a six man team, and that's me giving you their starting five in Gabe Cups. But when I say that, Mbako hasn't
4: done anything. I mean, Mbako has six points yeah, in his college career. Yeah,
3: so I so I can't count him. I mean I I, I looked at him just a couple guys. Mbako six points in twenty four minutes in the two games. CJ Gunn, 0 of four in nineteen minutes and two rebounds.
4: I mean, the key is they've looked awful. The key is obviously avoiding disaster on the resume. And so far, it is two wins. But like Thursday night, I mean, I, I don't. Wright State was picked to finish third in the conference. We've seen the Horizon League have some teams pull off upsets already this year. They've got a preseason Player of the Year, a little guard. Like, do they come in and and, and beat you? You know that that's the. I mean, the key is making sure the resume also doesn't look like the play on the floor because the play on the floor you've avoided. The disaster on the resume, if that makes sense. Well,
3: it, it, here here would be your problem. I'm trying to find this uh, on Ken Plus, Palm. Plus, is
4: the Big Ten going to be vaunted this year? I don't know. The early Big Ten returns know. haven't been great. Wisconsin lost. I I, I don't know. Didn't Maryland yeah. lose. Yeah,
3: you know they did. Michigan I mean, State lost. Like right now, Louisville's one seventy five in the Ken Palm, and there's a high probability early next week you will play them. Louisville's going. So that's not going to be well, a no, meaningful game. Well, no. What I'm saying is that. Louisville's going to be in the 200s. right? Like I think they're going to be a, a single-digit win team. So it's like one of those things, if Indiana, they can't lose a game like that, right? If you lose to UConn, not the end of the world. You know college basketball. Sure. People yeah. write that off. I ah, you lost to UConn. Uh, you have a young team, whatever it may be. Every excuse will be made. But if you end up playing Louisville, I mean, Louisville's going to be in the 200s and you lose that game, that's the game that knocks you out. I'll give you an example because I followed this. Last year... Clemson Basketball. Sorry, Jake Query. Clemson Basketball was a bubble team. They went into Louisville and lost. They were one of the four teams that Louisville beat last year. It ended their season. They got to the bubble watch, the bubble watch, and everyone's like, well, why would we have them? They lost to a team that was in the 300s in the Kempom. That's the thing with Indiana is they're going to have to get quality wins, but they're going to have to also not have those losses. It scares me, man. I, I... brother they scare me watching them I mean their their guard their guard play's not good obviously
4: work was going to be needed with this operation it was you know so many new faces and all of that but getting that work done boy I I, early on there's a lot more work that I think Mike on both ends of the floor than Mike Woodson could have envisioned and I don't know, you know, when you're benching the five star this early, and what does that do? Ego. I mean, him and Cleo Ware made it very clear. We're we're going to Bloomington to be lottery picks after one season. You know, Ware honestly carried them last night in the second half. There, just being taller than everybody else that Army had to offer. Uh, and if you're looking for consistent pieces for Indiana, uh, it would not be the five star. Well, Trey Galloway
3: right plays 30, 31 minutes, has five points. Yeah, you know, doesn't yeah. have a rebound. Like that's not going to work either. And that's right? your
4: starting two guard. You know, yeah. yeah other other he'd...
3: years, it's been fine. Galloway could be the fourth option, right? So if he went out and scored five points, it's okay. TJD had twenty two in in ten, and you know, I mean, they had they other just, guys have made up for it.
4: There's just an element of Indiana still is not a modern college basketball team. Like they don't use the three point line, they don't use it, and they don't use it successfully when they do. And if you're going to play that way, you better have a Trace Jackson Davis. They made
3: four threes. They allowed thirteen. Yeah, I mean every story you read. That's one of the main things is is is, yeah, is the not modern shot. That.
4: It's a little bit and of they like, and they
3: don't have a guy on the uh, that can make it. I mean, you look at Mbako, Ware, and Renew. Those guys you already know can't make it, right? Isn't Mbako supposed to be a shooter? <laughs> I don't know what he's supposed to be. I've, never, I've only seen him play a few minutes. I was all excited about him too. Stole him from
4: Duke. Benched for the final 15 minutes last night. Locked him up. Has barely played in the second half of either game. Against Army. All right. uh, We still got our fan tweets of the game. We'll get to here in just a bit. Uh, Let's lead off a morning check down with the Pacers from last night. The morning
0: check down. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
4: Yeah, it's one thing for Joel Embiid to do what Joel Embiid does against Miles Turner and the Pacers, and he did that last night with 19 in the first quarter and and 37-13. But you don't expect Tyrese Maxey to go off for 50. That is what the young guard did last night against the Pacers. 137-126, that would be the Eastern Conference leading Sixers over the Pacers. They will play again on Tuesday night. Uh, Andy, you watch Maxie a lot in college. Mm-hmm. I mean, he certainly has been one of these Kentucky guys that yep. didn't have the most heralded, you know, time in Lexington. You know, to be fair, was in, in those COVID seasons. But boy, has he been a great pro!
3: Yeah, he was good. And, and I tell you the thing: he, he, I, obviously, you could tell that he was going to be a really good player. Uh, the thing that stunk it up for him, the biggest problem that he had is, and I and I do believe this, you know, that team for Kentucky won the SEC that year by three games. And then COVID hit. They beat Florida at Florida. And that was like, you know, and he, he, he didn't play great in that game. I remember that game. I was at a beer festival watching that game. They They won that game over Florida. They won the regular season by three games. That was on a Saturday. And by that Tuesday, the world stopped. And everything was, you know, everything was being canceled. Everything was being postponed. And you know, his running mate there was uh, Emmanuel Quickly. I think Ashton Hagens was on that team, who's in the G League. Uh, but Emmanuel Quickly, obviously, having a nice career there uh, as you know an off the bench kind of guy. Good guard though for the Knicks. And, and Maxi, I didn't think he'd be. I didn't think he'd be a star. I mean, he's. He's on the precipice of being a star. I mean, he's averaging twenty nine, five and seven, shooting fifty one percent from the field over the first I couple mean, of weeks of the season. That's
4: it, unbelievable. ability those step backs. Like I'm like, wait, how deep is he shooting? A few of these uh, incredible performance for him last night again. Pacers Sixers tomorrow night again. That will be uh, game number two in the in season tournament, and actually that's the final game the Pacers are going to play until Sunday. So a very light week for Rick Carlisle's bunch, and he's scheduled to join us Can tomorrow. I, is this a stupid question for
3: for for Coach Carlisle. I wanna I wanna you know crowdsource this real quick. They didn't get the stops down the stretch and everything. I, I find it when you play as fast as the pacers do, isn't it more difficult to get stops? Do you agree with that? Is that a stupid basketball question? In other words, they want to run and gun and they and they want to play with their hair on fire. That's how I view the pacers, right? right they want right, to right. and that's their pace. And listen, it's fun. I mean, you're going to love going to GameBridge. Uh, they're going to be able to get down like they did the, you know, last night. They're going to be able to come back. They have the players in depth to play that style, and they have the quality depth again. We've been harping on that to play that style. But I feel like when you play that style... It opens up to where the other team also can, can play that style. And if they have All-Stars, All-Stars, to me, are more difficult to guard like that than if we settle into an 89-89 game like I, back in the
4: 90s. Am I wrong? That's just the way I view it. I feel like they've been so bad defensively, whether they've played slow in the half court, whether they've played fast in the half court. And just with the Sixers, again, I mean, Embiid has just owned Indiana in this matchup. And then last night, Maxie was kind of the cherry on top. But no, I'd say throw it Ricks okay. way and- He's a, very,
3: he's a smart basketball person. I'm not, you know, he's a basketball Benny. 8 a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> yes, he'll join us uh to the NFL 10 6. That's your final in Germany. Let's play some of this sound. Shane Steichen, post
6: game. What did he tell his team? Here you go. Uh in the locker room was just hey, get healthy, you know, and let's let's go make a run at this thing. We got seven games left. Um, we're right in the thick of it, and uh let's play our best football in November and December going forward.
3: Similar question to Gardner Minshew. Here's what he had to say.
1: Oh, we're fired up, man. Fired up. Got some free. Time coming. We're five and five. Got everything in front of us, you know. So I think it's a great opportunity to go home, get healthy, and uh, hit this back half of the season with a lot of confidence.
5: Again, Gardner, Caribbean for a week. Do think <laughs> he's thing... gonna go to Joshua Tree and drop some massive? Yeah. Do thing...
3: <laughs> do things you wouldn't tell your grandkids about one day? See, I'm with Mark on this. I don't see him as being the beach guy. I see him as the Joshua the Joshua That's Tree fine. guy. Do That's things... what I see.
4: Do things that you wouldn't tell your grandkids about. Come back and see if mentally he's a different quarterback. as <laughs> I right now. My mind. I saw things I've never seen before. <laughs> right now I'm seeing Deer and Headlights <laughs> from number ten. Speaking of number ten, week ten in the NFL wraps up tonight. You're a Colts fan. Cheer for the Broncos over the Bills. That would be Monday night football. Things that stood out to you guys. CJ Stroud, incredible. Again, Vikings five straight. How about the Lions? Winning a yeah. shootout with the Chargers. That game. Dan Campbell. Talk about some big old you know what? Seven and two in that one. We had five last second field goals. Yesterday in the NFL as well, uh, and the Steelers have been outgained in every single game this season, and they're 6-3. What
3: stands out to me is you mentioned the Lions. The poor Chargers lose that game every year the exact same way. Over Isn't how that many every years. week for the Chargers? It's every week, it doesn't matter if it's Staley as the head coach or anybody. It, I don't care if Austin Eckler is the running back or Natron Means is the running back. Okay, I feel like they lose that game. Phil Rivers lost that game like fifteen different times, uh, and so yeah, that that stood out. And then. I don't know, man. The Bra- the Browns to me. I mean, that game stood out. Lamar Jackson was not good. It's one of those games where you know Lamar wasn't good, and, and, and you know Cleveland's able to run the ball and, and play enough defense. They got a pick six. Deshaun Watson's hobbling around the field uh, and everything else. But if you're if you're like to me, if you're if you're a Colts fan, you want someone in the AFC North to to be out of your way, right? And it's not going to be the Ravens. We would agree with that. So you're looking at either the Steelers or the Browns. You're wanting one of those teams to fade away and move out of your way, right? And both of them got wins, close wins, and the Steelers get these ugly, ugly wins. And the Browns win by running the football good enough defense and a hobbling quarterback. Like That's one of those. I know you maybe wanted... I understand that maybe he's like, well, they're up against other AFC teams. To to me, like the Steelers were like, could the Packers make a play, right? Could they make a play at the end of the game and win that game? That would have really helped the Colts out. Didn't happen.
4: Uh, College football from over the weekend. Shout out to the Paul Tigers. A lot of partying in Greencastle on Saturday nights. They win the first ever overtime game in the 129-year history. Of the Monon Bell. Just an epic one. I actually, flipped over to that late to catch Greg Rakestraw on the call. How Nathan- is that the first overtime? I know. In i that was series. stunned. Stunned. Like, You've honestly. So many one possession games in that series. Uh, Nathan McHale to Will Caster for the game winner. Great little play call there in double OT. 33 30. The Tigers beat the Little Giants. Undefeated season for DePaul. And they are now into the Division Three playoffs. And they have won three of four in that series. Indiana's. Bowl hopes are done. I, I don't. I can't believe I even said that. Like there was actual hopes <laughs> of it. Uh, they were dashed by a ball straight ball state transfer. I want to make sure John Paddock. John right? Paddock. Yep. Uh, he threw for 507 yards, which is the second most in the history of the Fighting Illini. They've had some decent quarterbacks in that program over the years. A uh, third straight year for no bowl game for Tom Allen. I uh, am Purdue. Uh, finally, they get the offense clicking, especially at home. Big game on the ground for the Boy, the Makers. Devin Maccabee and Tyrone Tracy in that one 353 rushing yards, the most for Purdue in over a decade.
3: Yeah, and I would say obviously Michigan uh, beating Penn State on the road, Georgia taking care of Ole Miss, Ohio State standing pat, and Jim uh, Harbaugh's still alive, right? Because yeah, I still thought post game he was he's, dead. He's not dead. He's okay. still alive. He is a martyr. Gotcha. If you did not know, <laughs> Jim Harbaugh, the martyr. Uh, and uh, by the way, Alabama continues to look pretty damn good. And you're going to an SEC game. Yes, got all about this. This is your Georgia Tennessee, Tennessee Georgia game. Uh huh. Three thirty.
4: I'm losing the oh, SEC oh, game oh, oh. V card here coming up on Saturday. afternoon it's gonna be pretty good man i can't wait that's gonna be fun and i'm am i watching future
3: colts tight end brock bowers Oh boy, he looked good, and they were doing the thing where everyone told him to sit out the rest of the year, and said it made him angrier, made him want to come back and help the team. Like, all right, man, like, is it a
4: Georgia-Michigan collision course, or are we still looking at Alabama, Ohio State, one of the Pac-12 schools? Listen,
3: I think I think there's another Florida State. I think there's another team that could that could pop up. I I really do. Like, I don't know what to do with Texas. They barely get by TCU. They've had a couple quarterbacks. They just lost their running back, and we mentioned Michael Penix had three more touchdowns. I mean, they're number five in the country.
4: College basketball tonight. Purdue and Xavier coming up from Mackey. Purdue is a 15 and a half point favorite. That's a big one. Didn't Xavier make the Sweet 16 last year? I know they're a little banged up, but still. Uh, Butler favored by a very similar amount against East Tennessee State. Butler's won the first couple of games to start this season. Alright, on the other side, we'll do our fan tweets of the game. Continue to talk Colts and Patriots from Germany.
3: All right, back at it on this Monday, reacting with you. Colts winners, obviously. Uh, Pacers have another one coming up on a Tuesday. Try to get one there in Philly. Philly's pretty good. Does that Pacer game bother you at all, I guess? I, I meant to ask you that. To me, it really doesn't bother me. I think, I mean, yeah, Philly's I, just a, a couple steps ahead of the Pacers,
4: right? JMV and I have always had this disagreement. What bothers me is. Embiid is own Indiana more so than any other Eastern Conference team. And I've always looked at it as Miles Turner thinks of himself as one of the best defensive players in the NBA. Okay? Boy. So (laughs) why does Joel Embiid average more against the Pacers than he does any Eastern Conference team? Like, it's one thing if Embiid was just average against the Pacers like he is the rest of the NBA. It's the only team in the Eastern Conference he averages more than 30 points against. And last night he did it again. Again, I know that wasn't the story story last night. He had 19 in the first quarter, so he established himself early uh, clearly. Um, but, uh, you know, like, is a Bruce Brown getting the maxi, you know, role tomorrow night for the entire game? I mean, that's something that we'll throw to Rick Carlisle coming up uh, tomorrow.
3: <laughs> I wrote down three things. One of them was Embiid was tossing guys, including Turner, it felt like in the first half. <laughs> he yeah. was tossing and I guys thought,
4: out of the way. I thought uh, he battled foul trouble. I did think he did a better job of kind of making him work a little bit on the other end. Again, right. if Embiid's going to own you on one end, stretch the floor, fall right. away from the basket. So that was better there, but... Um, this has just been a career long thing of Embiid treats Turner and the Pacers like he is uh, he's their daddy. And then I had never seen this before at the
3: end uh, near the end of the first quarter I don't know if you saw this or not. Nemhard had three straight turnovers. Oh <laughs> he, no. He had, he, I think he, he kicked a ball off his leg and he came down and had a double dribble and I think he had a travel or something like that. He had three turnovers right in a row Well, three they, consecutive possessions. was that had they gone to McConnell yet? Uh, Because they went to McConnell, and that's probably why they went to McConnell.
4: Yeah, would be my guess. Yeah, he he actually sparked things uh, against his former team there, and they have some good minutes there from TJ McConnell. Um, All right, let's do some fan tweets from the game recap of Colts and Patriots.
6: I can't read it. There's no there's no words on it. I'm Ron Burgundy, and this is what's happening in your world tonight. Ripped from the headlines of the
3: newspaper.
0: Oh, we'll do it live! F*** it. Post-game headlines.
4: F***ing thing sucks! You know, I'm not sure if there's anything an entire fan base can agree upon, let alone after a game like yesterday where you did win 10-6, but there was so much ugliness involved in it all. But I would say Aaron's tweet is something probably all Colts fans can get behind on. Uh, Aaron says, sent Bill to retirement home. (laughs) If you're a Colts fan and you saw Robert Kraft being
3: sad and Bill Belichick being sad and Bill O'Brien... O.B.O.B. blowing up on Mac Jones, Mac Jones being benched as a first-round quarterback, all those things, including you get the win in Germany, I mean, that's just got to make you feel pretty damn good. That would give me fuel this morning. Just
4: freeze-frame Belichick, hands to the head. I mean, how many times do you see Belichick like that emotional on the sideline there? Just freeze-frame that, put it in a little frame, put it on your desk, and look at that for the next couple years. Kyle says, I guess, uh, guess somebody had to win. Probably a good
5: uh, way Maurice to Maurice said Colts <laughs> succeed watching pats dry instead of paint. I thought that was clever. That's pretty good. Uh, that is ZL, good. Who is that? That's
3: pretty good.
5: Maurice. That's Maurice, nice work. That's good. And then another one said Uncle Rico beat the hoodie. <laughs> and then my favorite one was from Michael. And I'm going to do my best I can to translate this. Oh, boy. Wasver in Igrastis Spiel. Which is German for what a, disgust, what a disgusting game. <laughs> Bryland says, my eyes.
3: Ah, mm-hmm. my eyes. Yeah. I would ask you guys, so I don't think KB does this. Mark, I think, Mark, you were, I don't know, you were Nashville. Maybe you were back. I don't know. You, mm-hmm. you had a busy weekend. I had the opposite of a busy weekend. When did you, I'm asking the audience and everything, when did you pop your first beer during the Colts game?
4: Oh, I would hope. I mean, if I weren't covering the game, I would have hoped I had kickoff. Okay, well, that's what I'm saying. Was it nine years? a kegs and eggs game. Yeah, I, listen, I, you know where I stand on this. I'm totally with you, but
3: I mean, you know, some people are like, you got to wait till 11 no, o'clock hell no, or no. you got to no. wait till noon or you know, something games like have, that.
4: Happened once every seven years, eight years. I mean, yeah, all the people on TV are drinking. I mean, trust me, why cross can't my I can't. I don't know. That's what Maddie should have done to try and get through <laughs> that. Uh, this is from Alan. Sam really can't play. If we put out a poll right now. I don't know, guys. Colts fans, do you want to see Sam Ellinger start versus the Bucks? Yes or no? How many would vote yes?
3: I think uh, boy, I would probably be probably be close to 50-50, would it not? I'm just not there giving that it's Sam Ellinger.
0: <laughs>
3: and I'm that, just and, not there.
4: Oh, I think it's interesting that you say that, Andy, because you didn't watch him, you know, as close as we did I last know. year. Now again, Shane's different, but uh, and then this from Steve. And I, I don't think Steve's opinion is felt by a majority of people at 5-5, five and five, but I do think there is a section that still looks at the draft. Steve goes, we need losses, not wins.
5: I think that's his weekly tweet. Is it? Mm-hmm.
4: I understand. I put that,
5: I put that Sam Ellinger I, poll question out there I don't. Anyway. I, Ooh, I don't disagree
3: I like totally with the people that feel that way. The frustration has to be, that I think Colts fans are looking at this, don't you, KB? And they're like, we know we're going to be a little bit in the purgatory when it gets to draft time. Which, they're going guess, to be seven or eight wins. I, I think they can win at least two more games. And, I do.
4: And, and I guess that's what makes the draft such a crapshoot, Andy. Is do we ever know really no. where the purgatory is? Like, You know, where was Justin Jefferson drafted? Where was Aaron Donald drafted? Where was Zach Martin drafted? And plenty of guys, right, in that kind of teen, you know, early 20 area you can point to. Um, And then, obviously, on the flip side of it, you can point to plenty of bust in that area. You know, for me, it's always come down to this, Andy. Where I look at the draft, it's one of those things of, if the board starts to fall, and you're six or seven spots from a particular area... And because you're that far away, you're more hesitant to trade up, even though the player that you would have a lot of interest in happens to be there. That's where I get a little torn on things. And that's where I kind of look at it as a I'm of the believer, unless you're making a playoff run, I think you start looking ahead to next year. And again, I know that, you know, that's that's I know. me from a non emotional point of view. I get the emotions of a fan. Like Maddie's gonna you know, whatever, watch me on Saturday afternoon freak out about Notre Dame Wake Forest. And she's gonna be like, "What oh. are you doing?" I'm gonna be like, "I'm a fan. I want to see my team win." <laughs> and she's gonna be like, "I thought the season was over." So, like, I know I'm talking
3: out of both sides of my mouth. Yeah, here. but there's no drafting college football, though. Right, I mean, that, right, that's right. the only. That's the only thing. Yeah, it's, I guess that it's is. it's not totally apples to apples, but you will be a madman during because I'm thinking a
4: win there helps saving a recruiting whatever. And I don't know. Maybe I'm overreacting to what a loss to Wake Forest would do from a recruiting standpoint, but. The the
3: narrative that no one really cares about in college football, Uh, Sam Hartman going back home
4: to face against Wake Forest. Bend, thankfully, (laughs) is
3: that what it is? Yes. I mean, I don't know. I'm like, like I'm looking at the Eagles' 30th overall got Nolan Smith from Georgia. Now that was, you know, I mean, there was other things that went into that, but like you're looking in the 20s, the Chargers got Quinn Johnson, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison. Um, you know Jordan Addison went at 23, so there are guys. I mean, Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison are good players. Like, if the Colts got one of those type of guys, that would be a big pickup for you know. If you have Pittman still there and you have Josh Downs, obviously, I just it's 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 just very difficult because I think a lot. I think a, a huge segment of fans want to win. A huge segment. The other segment is. Obsessed with getting guys in the draft because getting picks and that sort of thing, uh, you know, they can turn fans on. They love all. They love the draft season. And I'm just stuck here with, you know, winning games does matter in this league, and it matters to Shane Steichen, and it matters to the bottom line of the Indianapolis Colts. But also, if you like, I'm terrified right now that that the Giants are going to win a game that doesn't matter, and they're going to have to get J.J. McCarthy. (laughs) Right. <laughs> they're not gonna, you know what I'm saying? And they're right, not gonna right, right. get Drake May because I mean this happened to the Jets. Well, the the it, Jets beat the Jets beat like the Vikings or something. No, they beat the Chargers. The Jets beat the Chargers a couple years ago. And you know who they didn't get? Trevor Lawrence. Now I'm not as, as much in love as with Trevor Lawrence as everybody else. But that franchise hasn't had a quarterback worth a damn. So they got Zach Wilson. What's happened? Well, could it have happened to the Colts last year?
4: You know, if you had been, by all accounts, Seattle was very into the Anthony Richardson idea, and they picked right behind you. If the the Colts would have beat the Texans in the final week, would they have been behind Seattle? I don't know how those tiebreakers would have worked out. But obviously the Colts are very close to being just outside of that fringe. And, you know, how would that have been viewed differently? Did the win, would the win over Houston have given you that great 24-hour, 48-hour feeling? I'm looking at it right now, yeah. That you would have been so happy about? That would have overshadowed you possibly drafting Peter Skoronsky instead of Anthony Richardson or Will Levis instead of Anthony Richardson.
5: It's early, but your poll for Sam Ellinger is, is not going well. Um eighty seven point nine percent say no. They do not want to see do not want to see Sam Ellinger get any run. At quarterback this year, Lord Smoke in the chat, which I agree with, says, You put in Sam and we lose, and everything hits the fan. We've won too many games to turn to Sam at yeah. this point and endure the tank. I, I tend that's to That's probably... Yeah, Lord I think it's a good way to the put schedule.
4: it. Lord Smoke? Lord Smoke is what Gardner I, I, Minshew needs to find this week. <laughs> I don't think that'll be a problem. Yeah. I saw a purple tiger in
5: think... the mountains and I started walking towards A him.
4: lot of that this week. Get the Wizinator when you get back into just no- town. Just
3: nobody... And go from nobody there. Nobody get it. No one do something stupid. That's like the bye week. You know Steichen's having to say that. No, he certainly does. All right, uh, we'll do it one final time here. It's a wake-up call. KB and Andy. Hardest man... Oh, boy, that's Whoa. an odd way to say that. Boy, hit the Hell? sounder. Hardest oh. working man... I mean, Eddie Garrison was just in here. I know my hair, hair looks good, buddy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, quite whoa.
3: the weekend! Yeah, quite the lead in there to close things I knew, out. I knew Mark would have seven sounders ready to go. I oh, knew look, the HRs walking. The, the blink. Yeah, I know. No, say that in the seven o'clock hour, not a nine fifty-four when no, everyone's awake no. and in the building. Anyway, uh, oh, Eddie Garrison cutting sound for us uh, was in here shooting the bull, and it needs to be said. I know you have a couple things i it needs to be said we were all just discussing off the air how fantastic the jimbo fisher buyout is <laughs> I, literally just,
4: again it's just one of the great moments in my, sports history my goat from the weekend is <laughs> it, it, who is his agent is it jimmy jimmy sexton oh, it, i'm sure it, it is, it is. Big i'm
3: sure it's jimmy sexton yeah i'm sure it is
4: i mean 76 million for that buyout because we it, were talking it, about
3: tom allen right you had know, to pay him 20 mil or right. whatever it is to walk 21 mil to walk away well then
5: the, the oh. espn national show on before us undisputed or whatever it's called yes undisputed They're like uh oh wouldn't you want to work for 76 million you want to earn your money i'm like no are you an idiot well, like, what are you talking well, that about that would be like Somebody if cuts i cuts you a check for 76 million dollars you have to work uh yes, I know. Well that's up. like
3: if I won the lottery, would I would I be back in here the next morning, right? You won the lottery, would you be done with work and you know, just go do whatever the hell you do? And again,
4: I am so confused why everyone's like Texas AM, man, they've got so much money. It's an unbelievable job. I'm like, wait a minute here. Dennis Franchoni? Mike Sherman? <laughs> uh, shout out to Bravof High School and Purdue alum, Kevin Sumlin and now Jimbo? Right. Remember when someone was going to get the Cowboys job? Remember I mean, like, that? When what had are we doing here? Like, I I just, I'm confused by how Texas a m is viewed in this just like, unbelievable light and I guess it's just strictly oil money and, and they will back their program and you know the, the whole Kyle Field 12th man I don't know this is a little awkward it's got to be Notre Dame at Texas and m by the way there First you game go next year it's got to be maddening to be a fan of theirs though because you
3: have all the money and you can't you but can't then why throw, are these your no, coaches but you yeah you can't throw money and get wins you can't make money buy you happiness and that's uh, some teams can they can't and it's consistent
4: Yeah, they have not been able to pay for a program. And now, obviously, deep into the SEC life. And only going to get tougher from here. All right, plenty on the podcast. Recapping Colts and Patriots in Germany. Uh, For those looking for Colts Roundtable Live, that'll be tomorrow as the Colts got back late, late from Germany. Uh, Rick Carlisle expected to join us. 8 o'clock tomorrow we will be recapping Purdue Xavier. And obviously previewing Pacers and Sixers. Everybody have a great Monday.